Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for the lust. Blindly passing, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. Father God, we thank you so much that we would even have this opportunity, even in in the days of the censorship industrial complex, as they put it in Congress. Father, we just thank you so much uh, as we see, you know, the, the, the... Unbelievable. I mean, very, very Nazi Germany-like censorship that's coming down on the uh, news outlets in Canada. Uh, things that are happening all over the place, Father. The YouTube is almost totally lost. Um, they've just come out with new terms and conditions uh, that a lot of people are not aware of that will allow them to stomp, uh, you know, any kind of messages that uh, they want for any reason, pretty much. Um, and um, and so many people that are doing wonderful things on on YouTube. Um, I don't think they see it coming, Father. Father, we just praise you for helping to open our eyes. We praise you for putting us through the fiery fires, fiery trials that are to try us. We thank you, Father God, for helping us to be in a place in our walk where we want, we really, really want to be in the secret place of the Most High. We want to be with you. We want to be in your presence, Lord Jesus. And not just not just in your presence as we are naturally throughout the day, but we want to be on our knees. We want to be in the dark. We want to have no distractions. We want to feel your presence and seek you. We thank you, Father God, for being that resting place that we can come to, that we can, as, as Sister Elena had put it to me this morning uh, in, a, in a communication, she had said that we are to have ferocious trust for you. And I love that term. And I, I, Father, I want to adopt that. I praise you, Father. And I thank you for, on behalf of all the listeners of this program, I ask you for a supernatural, powerful, mighty anointing of your trust, Father. Let it fall into our spirit. Let it fall into our soul. Let it become a very big part of who we are for the days that we are in today, as well as the days that we are going to be in as this year progresses. It's looking, it's kind of stacking up, as some people might say, to be a pretty bumpy ride. Um, and um, But we don't know. You know, this is all in your hands. You have this, Father. It's in your hands, and we're going to we're gonna, uh, just 
be on our knees the whole time watching, um, hoping, full of hope, and, and looking so much, so desperately forward to leaving this place and being in your presence, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that anyone who feels led that is listening to this program right now would join me in this prayer. Matthew eighteen nineteen says uh, that, uh, and again, I want to pull it out and not uh, mis- mis- misread it. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Where is it? I got, I got too many cards. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, here it is. And Jesus said to us in Matthew eighteen nineteen. again, I say to, you, say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Lord Jesus, we ask you together in accordance with your instruction in Luke 21, verse 36, we ask you please to count us worthy, each and every one of us. We are, we are together. We are on earth. We are looking to you for this promise, and we beseech you, Father, please, to count us worthy to escape all these things that are coming to pass and to stand right there at the wedding supper before the Son of Man. That is our wish. That is our hope. That is our greatest desire. And we praise you for that. It's, it's, uh, and, and whatever we can do, Father, to serve you, to touch people's lives, to give liberally, uh, to, to just be the catalyst like Jesus and the apostles and, and the disciples that followed him all throughout his ministry and, and all throughout the uh, ministries of the apostles for, uh, wow, uh, probably 50, 60 years even beyond. And and then those, you know, from the Bogomils and the Polisians and such that continued onward. Father, we just pray that we're able to touch other people's lives to set a, per, you know, as close to a perfect example through love that we can so that people will see Jesus, that people will know Jesus because they'll see Jesus in us. And now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of your glory, Father God, with exceeding joy. And to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Hallelujah. Amen.
Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Um, well, here we are again. Now, I, you know, um, it, 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 you know, I need to burst right into the news tonight because I do not want to step on Sister Terry Hill's time. She has such a powerful message for us tonight, and I'm very, very excited that she's joining us. So let's get right into it. Kids, are you ready? Kids, why did Janine eat her test? Why did Janine eat her test? Her teacher said it was a piece of cake. I don't know what they're, why they're picking on this Janine girl back there. Uh, you guys know a Janine? I don't know a Janine. Uh, kids, what kind of birds write letters? Penguins. Penguins. <laughs> I don't know who they write to, but they write something, I guess. All right, kids, kids, what kind of call does a marathon runner always make? A marathon runner. Long distance. Long di- kids, long distance calls. You know, it's like you got to dial out of the country to get long distance charges nowadays. I was just talking to somebody the other day when I was, I was like, you know, do you remember when you had to like be concerned if you called one town over whether or not it was long distance or not? And, you know, and nowadays it's like so crazy different than it used to be. But anyway, everything's crazy different. What are you going to do about it? We're leaving soon. I know I don't like that word soon very much, but boy, oh boy. Uh, You know, like I said on the last program, we have – I just keep getting so many people, so many confirmations, so many links, so many – it's amazing. Uh, Everything's – I don't want to get overly excited about it because every time I do, I always get disappointed, and I I can't stand the disappointments, and a lot of us can't stand the disappointments, and we're having to deal with a lot of, you know, ucky, yucky, ugly, you know, just being alive and seeing the news and all the kind of crazy stuff that's going on. But praise God, a lot of the things are lining up with the Bible as they always are, are they as they have been, and they're starting to increase. And uh, and uh, a lot of people are pointing to 2050 um, as our departure time. So um, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping big time that it is. If it's if it's sooner, great. If it's much later, um, then we really, really got to have some serious shock absorbers. <laughs> I guess we're going to get some really bumpy winds, you know, bump, bumpy ride and uh, and uh, strong headwinds for sure. Praise God. All right. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and burst right into the news because we have so very, very much of it that there is no way I won't bleed over into uh, Sister Terry Hill's time. And she has put so much work into this message for us tonight. And for those of you who would like to follow along in her um you know, show notes, uh, they are available at, uh, you can just type tribulationnow.com, one word, tribulationnow.com, and then just go find find the white links on the black background, okay? You might have to click the, the menu and drop it down if you're on a mobile device. But anyway, at the very end of those links, you'll see Terry's name, Terry Hill. She has her own page, and I put all three of the uh, message uh, Bible notes that she put together, a lot of work she put into it. So I want to go ahead and uh, blast into the headlines. And uh, and for those of you who are a part of the working stiffs out there, the jobbers like me, I just wanted to wish you a um, 
happy Sunday night. And uh, praise God, we have jobs. Amen. As a matter of fact, real quick here, um, that's one note. Good. I want to bring that up real quick. Because there, it, oops, 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 it's at the very end. I got to get it up at the very beginning. There we go. I wanted to read this. I read this on the prayer vigil, but I wanted to read this to all the listeners um, because I know not everybody joins up, you know, does the prayer vigil thing. But anyway, this is from Charles Spurgeon. Okay, and I just think it's absolutely it's very encouraging for those of us who are in the workforce uh, in the very end of times. And it's not a normal workforce. It's things are kind of bumpy and weird. But anyway, um, uh, so here goes. Those who have not to work hard think they will love heaven as a place of service. That's very true. But to the working man, to the man who toils with his brain or with his hands, ever be a sweet thought that there is a land where we shall rest. Oh, weary sons and daughters of Adam, you shall be still. You shall be quiet. You shall rest yourselves, for all are rich in heaven, all are happy there, all are peaceful. Toil, trouble, travail, labor are words that cannot be spelled in heaven. They have no such things there, for they always rest. Now, while that is a powerful message and just sends shivers down my whatever, uh, we'll call them little Holy Spirit shivers, but whatever, uh, I love that message. And I think those of us who are toiling in the workplace right now, um, it, it means a lot to us. You know, it's the kind of thing that brings a, a tear to our eyes because we want, we need that extra boost of, um, happiness. Um, cause it, you know, the workplace is incredibly challenging. Now, all of that being said, um, I do want to add this. Um, I can't go into the whole, uh, testimony. I've given it many times, but people forget. And we have a lot of, and there's a lot of movement, you know, people will come and listen to the show for a while. They'll be very dedicated for a while and then they'll move on and we'll, they'll listen to something else, whatever that's, that's normal. There's constant fluctuations in the, in the uh, congregants of any church. And this is an electronic ecclesia, which makes it hundreds of times more easy for people to flip over and listen to another show or whatever the case is. Uh, they may not have three full hours. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me that they break the show up into uh, separate pieces and listen to a little bit on Monday and a little bit on Tuesday, that kind of thing. Some people like to, you know, use a little uh, set of headsets, you know, while they're at work or whatever the case may be, but praise God. But I did want to just in, in light of and in harmony with Charles Spurgeon's word here, um, remind people that Brother Larry, who had been taken to heaven several times, had told me out of the clear blue sky. This wasn't something that we were like working our way up to. He didn't call me and say, oh, I have something really special I got to tell you. It was not like that. He just said, John, I want to let you know that when you get there, John, he used to talk like that. When you get there, they're going to take you into another room and they're going to ask you if you want to take the mission. John, take the mission, John. You know, if you want to take the mission or go into eternal rest. Okay. Now I know what I think that means. But I'm not going to get into all that right now. So anyway, so there's my advice to you. I'm passing it along from Brother Larry. If you know when they take you into the other room and offer you to take, you know, do you want to take the mission or go into eternal rest? Larry very emphatically said, "Take the mission, John." So evidently, that's uh, maybe maybe you get a war promotion or something for taking a mission. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure I know 
in my heart what that mission actually is. Praise God. So um, anyway, on that note, let's go into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. <laughs> Game over. All right, praise God. So here is uh, a couple of news uh, casters, reporters, whatever you want to call it, uh, talking about the potential for cyber attacks interrupting the um, United States, um, you know, uh, election process. I guess. So anyway, let me go ahead and bring this up live for you to hear. All right. Whoops. Oh, it. There we go. Attacks targeting elections. How prepared are U.S. states for cyber attacks targeting elections? Well, according to the people who are running them, they don't feel very prepared, right? We see that only a small percentage feel like they're really in a position to react to whatever happens before and during the election. So those are not encouraging results. We see only poll numbers. And I think that happens in the backdrop of sort of a larger American concern around election integrity. Um, We're still fighting about what may or may not have happened in 2020 as we roll into the 2024 race here. And I think that we haven't experienced that kind of skepticism about election integrity probably since the 1960s where there were civil rights voting concerns. So we went through a big period where we still argued about politics, but we felt pretty good about the results of elections being the actual true result. And we're seeing that shift now. All right, praise God. So, um, uh, oh, and by the way, there still is an awful lot of talk about uh, the potential of uh, Black Swan event. And the question is, is it a Black Swan event by itself, or are there multiple Black Swan events? And what is a Black Swan event? Well, it can be any kind of devastating, horrible, you know, some type of an interruptive event that maybe has been planned, could be in the form of a false flag, could be blamed on another country that had nothing to do with it. To ultimately put the this country and others, but especially this one for the voting year, uh, into a tizzy, uh, and then ultimately, uh, you know, if it's in such a state, civil war, for example, people in the street shooting each other, all kinds of horrible things going on. Um, if that be the case, then they would institute martial law, and they could potentially, you know, put a, a kibosh on the election process if if things were serious enough. Um, so anyway, who, who knows what's going to happen? But there is an uh, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable, the amount of people out there that I mean, they're do, they're talking about it on live news. I mean, you, you know, we're talking about broadcast media, MSM, mainstream media news that people you know have on their televisions, and it's it everyone's hearing it. All right, so anyway, this is um, I just got to this is just absolutely unbelievable. But I'm going to go ahead and play this. This is uh, this particular congressman, and now I'm kind of bummed out because I don't remember his name. It deserves to be remembered. He's quite a feisty guy, and I really like him. But let's let's take a quick listen to him. He's in Congress, uh, concerned about kids. The current system has 85,000 kids they can't find. What in the world? It's the New York Times. It's not Fox News. So 
I uh, wish I had, oh gosh, this guy's, uh, I forget his name, but he, he, this guy doesn't waste any time. He gets in there, but that's a, you know, he's really late leaning into them because of the fact that there's 85,000. Can you imagine that? 85,000 kids missing. Okay. Um, I don't even want to think about the repercussions or what could it, what could be happening and all like just too heart wrenching, too horrible, too praying against it, spiritual warfare prayers against all that stuff. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's where we ought to be. All right. Um, this is Colonel Douglas McGregor uh, making a commentary regarding uh, the possibility of World War III before the election occurs this year. So we'll see what happens with that. And boy, oh boy, is it heating up over in the Middle East right now. we got a lot to cover there. So I'm going to keep moving because there is just so much. You're absolutely right. I don't think we'll ever get to the 2024 election. I think things are going to implode in Washington before then. I think our economic financial condition is fragile. It's going to come home to roost in ugly ways. I will tell you, I don't know exactly how it will happen. I think we're going to end up in a situation where we find out the banks are closed for two or three weeks and nobody can get into them. Do you think so? I think we're going to run into something like that, yeah. I also think that the levels of violence and criminality in our cities is so high that it's going to spill over into other places in society. People that normally think they can live remote from the problem are now beginning to be touched by the problem. Then I look at this thing in Ukraine. I think Ukraine is going to lose catastrophically. It's going to be a complete collapse. And that, too, is going to have an effect here at home because people are going to say, well, wait a minute. Everybody told us Ukraine was winning. Everybody told us X, Y, and Z. I mean, sort of the, the Russian hoax on steroids. All of those things are going to come together or converge in some way that's going to prevent us from reaching, you know, the status quo, oh, another election, oh, another set of campaigns, and so forth. <clears throat> okay, so anyway, he's not alone. Tucker Carlson has said things that are very similar, Alex Jones. Um, there's a bunch of people out there that have, uh, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's an increasing more and more people are very concerned about, and and you know, he, he, what is that black swan event that they, you know, they came right out on MSNBC and were openly talking about? What is it? Is it multiple events? I mean, everything's just ramping up to it. So I don't want to. Again, I'm just going to keep on uh, moving very quickly through the news because I want to have as much time for Terry as possible. Praise God. All right. So the next headline up. Is new China virus has a 100% kill rate. Chinese scientists create a mutant coronavirus strain that attacks the brain and has a 100% kill rate in mice as they admit there is a risk that it may spill over into humans. All right. So, again, um, you know, I... <laughs> There's a lot. I have a lot of news regarding disease X and stuff, so I'm just going to blaster it. But here they are, you know, coming right out. Whoever these day people are, okay, are still dorking around and doing gain of function and all that other stuff. And you have um, the ceremony uh, uh, in the ceremony vision from 1979. Uh, there's a she. She gets to a point where she sees, you know, the the global financial collapse occur, um, and then. 
chemical attack. She says, I saw a man in the middle of a crowd of people drop what seemed like a quart jar full of liquid. The jar broke and liquid spread. I understood the people nearby had become infected with the disease from the liquid, but they didn't even know it. A day or two later, they became sick, started dying. I saw this would happen in particular cities. She calls out New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Salt Lake City. I suspect it will be a whole lot more. She said the disease started with white blisters, some the size of a dime, appearing in the hands, arms, and face of the victim. The blisters quickly developed into white puffy sores. Those with the disease would stumble around and fall over dead, usually within a time span of 24 hours. But then right after that, she talks about, she says, and then I saw other people with a flu-like virus that spread more quickly than the first disease. The victims had blood coming from their nose, their mouth, their eyes, their ears. These people died even faster from the disease of those from the first sickness. Okay, so uh, tuck that away in your prophetic, uh, you know, duffel bag, and we'll continue to move through these headlines. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this is a, uh, uh, an, a short, shortened excerpt from um, Alex Jones regarding World War III uh, starting hot. Now, he's talking about a full-blown hot World War III, uh, either later this year or, you know, early next year. So um, let's just, I'm not going to be able to play the whole thing because I think it's like 15, 20 minutes, but, um, but I can play a snippet of it anyway. It's, it's good. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. All right. Coming up. And here we go. Well, now the British Defense Ministry has officially come out and said that the path to war is here and that full-scale global war is going to happen in the next year. And they predict full war with Russia as early as next month. And then they push it out to February of next year, a year from now, 13 months. I have it all right here. I read all the reports, but it gets worse. Leaked German military document details countdown to World War III and Germany's official defense policy is that they will be at full war, including nuclear, with the Russians imminently. You might want to go read the Jamie White article. It's on Infowars.com. You might want to share it. And sure enough, there's an article right there, leaked German military documents, detailed countdown to World War III. Um, and, you know, I could go on and uh, play a whole bunch of more of that, but we got a ton of stuff. But I just wanted to point out to you, uh, if you don't know already, that NATO, <laughs> it's hard to really put into words how much activity is occurring over in Europe in the NATO operations uh, in preparation for World War III. Really, when you think about it, Ukraine was never Ukraine. I mean, we all, you know, that that's the programming that we have in our head, that Ukraine is an autonomous country. But really, once this, um, you know, uh, denazification uh, deal started to take place with uh, Russia moving in, um, it shifted very quickly from a Ukrainian problem into a United States CIA, a United States um, proxy war 
dynamic. And it's not just the United States. There's Polish soldiers over there. There's United Kingdom soldiers over there. I mean, anybody with, a, you know, any type of a thinking person would have to ask themselves, after losing more than half a million, maybe closer to three quarters of a million people, to the point where they're like grabbing kids and women and old people and sick people and throwing them out on the front lines. How can they continue to to inflict damage on Russia? How can they continue to do things that they're doing? And the only way, the only answer for that is it's not, you know, the 85-year-old guy with, with, with a gun that he's holding in his hands that he's never seen before, you know, ducking from bullets. It's not some kid that they grabbed off the street. It's not, you know, it isn't like that. What it is, is the proxy warriors and the mercenaries that are coming in from France, they're coming in from Poland, they're coming in from different countries, and certainly the presence of the CIA and the United States military operations. Uh, It's been, it's really, Ukraine is like the United States. One of the analogies that somebody used for me to help me get my arm around it, and I already, I got it, I I already kind of knew it, but I like the analogy. And that is, how would we feel, let's just pretend, just play a game of pretend, you know, Russia moves in and they essentially set up, uh, we'll just pick a number, how about 12 major military bases with nuclear weapons in Mexico? And they make best buddy friends with Mexico. And they're sitting there with nuclear missile launchers, nuclear-capable missile launchers, right on the border of Mexico and the United States. How would the United States feel about it? I can tell you that the people in the United States now, now Obama, the Antichrist, he's going to love that. He would he would be like right on, um, you know. But um, you know the the normal American citizen would be deeply troubled by that because they've been programmed to believe that Russia's the boogeyman, okay. And uh, when in reality, if Russia was half the boogeyman that everybody thinks it is, it would they would have they would have rained down some of those uh, uh, hypersonic um, uh, uh, missiles on us a long long time ago. And I have a feeling with their uh, um, friendliness and cooperation with North Korea, uh, um, Iran, of course, um, things are happening. Um, You know, there's a strong belief system that uh, Russia has fully enabled the intercontinental ballistic missile program for the, you know, for uh, nuclear nuclear delivery uh, with uh, North Korea and also might be behind the success of the nuclear program for Iran as well. So when, you know, when they're when you're on a war footing like they are and you're, you know, buying gazillions of dollars worth of, you know, uh, suicide drones or whatever the case is, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And and Iran is strongly supporting the Russian uh, war footing um, with with equipment and, and all kinds of stuff. So um, anyway, so let's move on. Uh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this is another commentary from Colonel Douglas McGregor. Praise God. So let's listen to this. This is very important, by the way. So I'm not just loving on Colonel Douglas McGregor, although I do really like the guy a lot. I think he's brilliant. Thank you very much for your time, for your analysis. Judge, can I, can I add one point here? Of course. Yeah, I just wanted to add something that doesn't seem to get a great deal of attention. It was reported recently, and it's in the open press, that uh, the Iranians have begun enriching uranium to weapons-grade plutonium. For your audience, this means that it's enriched to 20% or more, and the plutonium then is capable of being utilized in, in making bombs for warheads on missiles or dropping from airplanes or whatever. 
this is not an accident. The Iranians have restrained themselves in the past. They've kept well below those levels. They're now actively making that plutonium. I have very, very little doubt in my mind that they can transform that plutonium into nuclear weapons. At the mm -hmm. same time, the Turks know and have known this for a long time, that if they were ever in the position where they felt they were going to be directly threatened by another nation with a nuclear weapon and in the Middle East, everybody assumes that's Israel, that Pakistan would provide nuclear warheads that could be utilized by the Turks. These developments are huge and get no attention. People need to understand what this means. It means that if this war spreads, as I think it will, I think, I think we're on the slippery slide into a major regional war. The Houthis, Hezbollah, the militias are symptomatic of where I think we're headed. I think that Washington wants desperately war with Iran. And I think there are enough people who are careless and don't really understand the region, don't understand the facts, are beating the drums for it. And all of these things point to a disaster that we really don't want to confront. All right. Praise God. So, um, yeah. Uh, and uh, he, he, I can tell you that Colonel Douglas McGregor, again, he was the uh, hand-chosen military advisor for Donald Trump during Donald Trump's first, you know, four years and all that, um, that uh, – yeah, he's been uh, warning, 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 warning over and over and over again. He's constantly putting tweets up on Twitter, just short little tweets saying, guys, this is bad. This is bad. This is going to go this is going to escalate, you know, and um, it's he's he's right. And, and, but that's what they want. All right. Um, now, uh, warning. OK, warning to all of you out there with little kids or whatever listening to the show. I know you're out there. Well, this guy drops an F-bomb in the beginning of this video. So sorry about that. Just giving you a heads up. Um, but anyway, I want you to hear this really freaky-deaky, sky-trumpet, strange-sound thing that him and his family are commenting on. All right. Uh, so just try to, you know, forget about the uh, colorful language, the colloquialism. All right. Here we go. Boom. Oh. What the fuck is that sound? Oops, there you go. Now it's over. You can hear that, right? Yeah, what is it? I've got no idea. We're up at Bonnie Down. We're up on the hill. I can't say anything, but I can certainly hear that. It's aliens. It's aliens. They want some ship on the Barbie. What the? <laughs> okay. I figure he's going to drop another colloquialism, so I'll cut it at that point. I think he got the gist of it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, I'll tell you what. And you know what I think? This is my personal opinion. When we're getting onesie twosies of these, there's probably thousands of them all over the world right now. And you know, you just there just isn't there's too much there's too much. It's too too. You know, the second time my uh, ex wife broke up with me, you'd think I'd get smart, you know, and grow a brain, but of course I'm not, you know. Uh, I'm a I'm a sucker for uh you know, um 
romanticism. So anyway, um, you know, I, I'm like a Timex. I take a beating and keep on taking. But anyway, she 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 said to me, John, you're too too, and her that was her way of saying that I'm I guess too emotional or whatever the case is. But um, what does that have to do with anything? Well, my point is this: is that when you when you take the you know the me part of this and and what my estimation is on what's going on out there we have so many inputs we got disease x we got the war in the middle east that is already in progress we got the nato war in europe that is already in progress we have a lot of very serious activity that is currently taking place even in the ukraine as we speak um you know we've got a complete total censorship clampdown of all reasonable news outlets and literally the arresting of um, um, media people uh, in Canada. It's like the worst. It's it's worse than Nazi Germany. It's unbelievable. Um, but th- th- my point being that we and then we've got these you know strange sounds in the sky, which you know, and, and then we have this vast majority of the population that thinks the alien thing is going to be fake. It's just going to be fake. It's going to be all fake, 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 fake. I think they got another thing coming because my Bible specifically and explicitly states that aliens will be coming from another part of the galaxy. Okay, it says that. It's in Isaiah 13. It's in Joel 2. It's just the way it is. Okay, and it's uh, absolutely amazing. Now, am I suggesting that they might not also do? I mean, think about it. Why do they have crisis actors? Crisis actors are not there to fake the event, crisis actors are there to embellish the event, to make it worse, to get the crowd stirred up, as it were. Okay. All right. So anyway, um, so the presence of crisis actors doesn't mean that the event didn't occur. And similarly, why wouldn't you, if you were going to, you know, do some kind of a fake alien invasion kind of a thing, I don't know. I still am not convinced. I even had a conversation with somebody. I won't get into the details, but we were talking about it. And I said, how long has it been since you read Sergio Manast's supposed commentary on Project Bluebeam? And the person I was talking to was like, Oh, I don't know. It's been a lot of years. I said, well, do yourself a favor. If you don't mind, just set aside a couple of minutes, go out, find the original document and read it. Because right now in 2023, if you go back and read the original Project Bluebeam document that was supposedly written by this guy, Sergio Manast, it's, it's, it's juvenile. I mean, it's absolutely sophomoric. <clears throat> so when you read it, you're like thinking now, wow, that really sounded relevant and scary at the time that it was first, you know, supposedly released. But I, I've I've believed for many years that it's counterintelligence. Anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. Um, uh, oh, and uh, wouldn't you know this? Uh, very strange. The Disease Acts Act. Can you imagine that? So let's go ahead and scroll in on this. Uh, why is Congress crafting legislation titled the Disease X Act? H.R. 3832, introduced in June of 2023, has bipartisan sponsorship. In other words, the Dems and you know, whatever, all the fake stuff. They're all getting together and they're saying, we need to have a a, a, a disease X act, you know? Well, let's see what happens. 
But uh, the fact that they're putting together legislation for it already is very troubling. Not to mention that in May, uh, this, this country, along with many other countries, of course, will be signing up for the pandemic treaty from the World Health Organization, which is completely owned and operated by the World Economic Forum and some of the most satanic, evil, blood-drinking, baby-killing entities that ever walked the face of the earth. That is one sick bunch of people. All right. Now, all that being said, let's move on to the next headline. If Trump is elected, it's likely to be the kind uh, the uh, likely to be the kind of like the death. OK, th- th- if this is a quote from this guy, uh, WEF advisor Yuval Noah Harari, this guy needs to learn how to put a sentence together. But anyway, uh, it's kind of like a death blow to what remains of the global order is what he says. It's, but if this was quoted directly I can't even read the sentence, but you get it. You get it. They're they're panicking a little bit. They are. They are. They're talking an awful lot about. Oh no, you know, you know what happens if Trump? You know, oh, it's just amazing the amount of the amount of lip service that is on a global scope uh, coming from all over the world regarding you know what if Donald Trump you know gets back into the presidency, which of course he will. Um, you know, providing that these. Worst case scenario doesn't happen prior to the election. We all know what that is. Okay, so anyway, um, next headline, huh? Pakistan launches strikes on Iran's Saravan region, Sistan, uh, Balochistan provinces, according to reports. The sounds of explosions were heard in several areas of the Saravan County in Iran's southeastern province of Sistan and Balochistan, which borders on Pakistan. So anyway, Pakistan saw that as a direct attack against them. They didn't like it. So, of course, there was a response. Uh, This was posted. Sources in Pakistani army forces are reporting that the Air Force has conducted several airstrikes tonight and the Baloch militant group in eastern Iran near the city of Saravan, roughly 20 miles into the Sistan and uh, Baluchistan uh, province from the border of Pakistan. Smoke is currently engulfing the city as large fires are reported burning near the military compound. All right, so there are missile exchanges taking place between Iran, Iraq, and Pakistan back and forth. What's that going to turn into? We don't know. What we do know is that Sarah Manet, in her vision, uh, once things got kicked off, you know, once that Iranian nuclear-tipped Iranian missile was launched from Libya into uh, Israel, that there were nuclear exchanges taking place between India and Pakistan and some of the other countries in that region. Uh, at least that's what she saw in her vision, and uh, I'm going with it. Uh, you know, and, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But at least we have, you know, we have a bunch of stuff queued up, events that are queued up that we can keep our eyes on. But I would personally like to be part of the cloud of witnesses and be watching through the portal in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. Ha. <coughs> huh. All right, give me a second here. I got to wet my whistle. Mm. My uh, <laughs> uh, my blood pressure meds, boy. I'll tell you what. Anyway, so Pakistan recalls ambassadors from Iran, suspends high-level visits. Um, uh, so again, there's a sign that Pakistan's about to, um, you know, ramp things up. So is that the case? I uh, would say that 
it could be true. I mean, we don't know. I, it, it, who would have thought that somebody would, you know, somebody in, on the Iraq slash Iran side of everything that's going on over there in the Middle East would suddenly say, hey, we got to shoot a couple of missiles toward Pakistan and stir up that beehive. It just doesn't sound like a strategically wise thing to do to me. All right. But anyway, what do I know? Next one up. Pakistan. Uh, oh, and I just mentioned this one. I don't want to repeat it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to play this little excerpt from Donald Trump. Um, I'm glad glad that he is saying this i i don't know i'm not going to i don't think i'm going to very uh, i don't think i'm going to take this next year is going to be rough on us folks that's why i'm so focused on the barley harvest that's why i'm so focused on all of us getting our act together praying together because we're on earth matthew 18:19 to be counted worthy to escape all these things that are going to come to pass and stand before jesus at the wedding supper that's my number one focus Okay, I, I, uh, why? Because we know how bad things are going to get. Who in their right mind would want to be here for the things that are coming our way? Not me. So, um, I, I, yeah, I focus heavily on us getting out of here and being counted worthy. You know, we got to get ourselves right, and we got to stay right. And we got to stay in prayer. We got to use spiritual warfare. We got to serve the Lord. We got to give liberally uh, and love on people and be Jesus to them because they don't have any other Jesus. They don't know Him, and we are Jesus to the people that don't know Him. And that's that's it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And we don't have a lot of time left here on this earth. So you know what, folks? Praise God. At least we have that. So many millions of people don't have that. They see all these horrible things coming toward them. They know that it's going to destroy their lives. They know this is – and they don't have Jesus. They don't have it. They don't even understand it. They don't comprehend it. It's like, it, it's like in uh, the Gospel of John, uh, verse, you know, uh, First John – I'm sorry, uh, John 1, 1 through 5. You know, the darkness did not understand it when it was talking about the light of Jesus, the Word. So cool. Some of the best words ever written, ever. Praise God. So anyway, let's listen to what uh, Donald Trump's saying about TBDCs. This is very important. And tonight I'm also making another promise to protect Americans from government tyranny. As your president, I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. You know about that? I like it. So if I were somebody who was not a citizen of heaven, I would be extremely excited about that. I am nevertheless I just like I said, I just want to go home. I want to get off this alien demon infested rock more than you could ever imagine. <clears throat> These 13 years have been a blessing. We've had a lot of incredible guests. We've covered some incredibly, uh, you know, just subjects that nobody else covers. We've been blessed with guests that, you know, I mean, come on. How many times, how many radio shows bring on a guest that says, yeah, I saw uh, Mike Pence shapeshift into a reptilian at a satanic ritual ceremony? <laughs> you know, I mean, praise God. You know, I'm, I use that as an example, but we've been blessed by a lot of information from our guests, and it's been and it's such a wide variety of guests, too. Everything from Gary Wayne to Terry Hill to – I just love it. I, I praise God. So, you know, um, I, I think I'd go crazy. I think I'd go absolutely nuts if this if anything happened in this program because it's like my only outlet, you know. Otherwise, I'm just sitting there, you know. I'm just uh, watching paint dry, um, you know. But anyway, praise Jesus. So, And, of course, doing my job, which, you know. Oh, what fun, and thank you, Jesus, for my job. Hallelujah. All right, so the next headline up is 
Trump's top rival drops out of the United States presidential race. Wow. So we got to get a little bit of Yeah, Ron DeSantis has officially pulled out of the United States presidential race. And there's a, some quite a few articles out there that are saying, you know, don't don't be dogging him. You know, don't be dogging the guy. You know, he's a, he's MAGA all the way, uh, you know, and, um, you know, and uh, welcome him back, you know, as part of who we, uh, you know, uh, the country w- hopes to become again. You know, uh, it, it, although, you know, it's funny. I, again, I was having another conversation with somebody else about, you know, there's all these events that are occurring that give us hope. Wow, I'm watching the time. Boys have blown past last. Oh, gosh. Forget it. I'm just going to move on. Argentina's Millier, uh, he is their new president, uh, got invited to Davos, and he gave him a bit of a smackdown at the World Economic Forum. Let's listen to this. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Today, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger, and it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Do believe me, no one better place than us, Argentines, to testify to these two points. Wow. Talk about a smackdown. Praise God for that. All right. Houthis are designated now, uh, redesignated, I should say, as a special, specially designated global terrorist group. Okay. And they've officially put out, a, you know, a statement from the briefing room of the White House that's, you know, right up there for everybody to read. And, um, yeah. Okay. So, anyway, I... My personal feelings, for what it's worth, is that you know the Houthis got no business shutting down sea, uh, you know, routes. Okay, no, that's too far. That's going too far. So yeah, I think that there should be. But you know, it, one thing leads to another, folks. So that's that's a problem. There's there is no. And Russia's Lavrov says, "Stop the aggression against Yemen." Of course, he doesn't talk like that. He It's more like, stop the aggression against Yemen, (laughs) but whatever. Um, And, you know, again, it's a little bit of the pot calling the kettle black. But you know what? When you think about it, nobody, no one in, in the world has the right to shut down a major shipping lane. I'm sorry. That is just not okay. It, look, if the Houthis got a complaint against Israel, then get off your lazy butts and go to Israel and voice your you know, dislike for the situation that way. But don't be like messing up the shipping lanes and the gasoline lanes and the oil shipment lanes and everything else for the whole world so that we can go, you know, into like 500 more percent, um, uh, you know, um, hyperinflation. Ugh, anyways, these guys, it's like, mm. I will restrain when I'm really thinking here. All right, next one up. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 
All right. Prepare for war with Russia, China, uh, Iran, and North Korea, according to the United Kingdom Defense Minister Grant Shops. Okay, so he he goes in and he makes a very strong case here in this article. And it's just interesting. Look at it. Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. What were we just talking about like 30 minutes ago? Right. These are all the countries that Putin is beefing up and getting them nuclear ICBM ready. All right. Here's another commentary regarding Disease X from Alex Jones. Let's listen to this. I predicted live on air that the U.N. would use a virus scare to bring in draconian controls and planetary systems to dominate every facet of our lives. We have been following very closely for several years Disease X that the U.N. World Health Organization has predicted could wipe out humanity. Now, there's a spectrum of disease X-type pathogens in the virus family that they would call a disease X, mainly the bird flu variety, the mousepox variety, and also what would be known as airborne Ebola. I have four children. All right. So anyway... He gets pretty deep into it. This is an hour long, but um, he's right, and it's the airborne Ebola. You heard me read what I read from the Ceremony Vision of 1979. That one, I I think that's the biggie. All right, so anyway, uh, another disease X war- a warning from him. Uh, same guy, uh, real quick, um, and then we'll move on from this subject. Well, a little bit. All right, here we go. Now, another issue on the agenda is a panel dedicated to the so-called disease X, a hypothetical pathogen that may cause new pandemic many times more deadly than COVID. What do you expect to come out of those talks? Well, we know what disease X is. The governments from Russia to China to the U.S. to France, uh, the Japanese, they all know what diseases are here. You have new mutations of diseases, but there's no disease X. There's a new mutation of an already existing disease. So disease X is a, is a holding place or a catch-all for gain-of-function bioweapons where they genetically splice viruses and also mutate viruses with radiation and other techniques to make them more communicable and more deadly. And so we have the UN that wants a worldwide treaty to take control of nation states and borders and transportation and trade with their UN uh, pandemic treaty, really trying to establish a corporate world government, the name of it, hyping up disease X and saying it's going to kill 50 million people and it's imminent. Well, how can they be developing a vaccine for a disease that doesn't exist yet? And we know in China, in the United States, in Ukraine, all over the world, Western governments have been caught producing weaponized biological weapons in these labs not for defensive purposes, but for offensive purposes. You know, top scientists have reported it would take a billion years for, in perfect conditions, for the COVID-19 to occur naturally. Five different viruses from around the world spliced together. It's basically impossible. And so what we have is illegal gain of function uh, going on around the world. In 2015, it was a big scandal when Obama was caught allowing gain of function at the University of Texas Galveston and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. 
So they then moved it to Wuhan. So when they released it, they could then have probable, plausible deniability about who'd made it. All right. Praise God. Well said and succinct. All right. Uh, thank you, Jesus. And now, um, Gates, uh, this is a report. Gates uh, said this about the new era of vaccines that are coming soon, that the patch, P-A-T-C-H, is almost ready. And we're just waiting for AI to catch up to make it all work. Bill Gates went on to say that India would be the place where this innovation would be rolled out. A patch starting to get real close to a mark, a electronic tattoo, multifunction. See where this is heading? They're putting the finishing touches on this now. We're getting pretty close to the mark of the beast being handed out, for sure. But they have to get more graphene oxide and uh, you know nanoparticles and all that kind of stuff, the kill switch. You got to get more of that into people. And well, you heard you heard what they're doing. So <laughs> you see, you saw how freaked out everybody became over COVID. <laughs> it's like, what do you think they're going to? Yeah, I, I mean, you can see the writing on the wall. Praise God. All right, so thank you, Jesus. A U.S. Central Command comes out, and they say at approximately 8.30 p.m. Sana'a time, January 17th, an assessed one-way attack, uh, UAS was launched from Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen and struck M-slash-V Genko Picardi in the Gulf of Aden. It hit the ship. The ship caught on fire. However, while there was some damage reported, it continued along its merry way. Okay, so that was just one report. We got another report right now. It says that Russia, as an experiment, turned off the GPS over the top of Poland. So they're practicing for electronic warfare and cyber warfare and just, you know, kind of testing the system and seeing how it says. This report says, yesterday, Russia tested electronic warfare in Kaliningrad. And as a result, which almost half of Poland and the uh, Suwalki corridor remained without GPS, Polish media writes. And they actually show a map of all the areas around Poland that were completely blacked out uh, from their ability to receive a GPS signal. Very interesting that uh, they're practicing. <laughs> they're practicing for the inevitable. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The next one up. Houthis are to attack United States bases in the area. Several United States defense officials have stated today that there will be intelligence, or that there is intelligence that the Houthi terrorist group in Yemen is planning imminent attacks against the United States bases in Bahrain, Djibouti, United Arab Emirates, uh, as well as on United States naval ships proper, okay, in the Red Sea, in retaliation for the joint strikes on January 11th by the United States and Britain. So they're getting ready to do lots of more dirty deeds. All right. Praise God. Next one up. Iran now has highly enriched uranium. Well, we heard that from uh, uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor, so uh, I won't waste time on that article. Uh, Denver migrant crisis, the migrant crisis uh, in Denver is so bad that their hospitals, according to this article, article, says migrant crisis plunges Denver's main public hospital deep into the red after patients received over $130 million of treatments of which they were unable to pay. Now, you know, th- there's this old rule. I'm just going to mention this again. It, it merits it. It's a rule of business. So if you have a back counter in your business, 
and people bring, let's say it's a repair business and they bring in things to get repaired, right? If one customer complains, you have to take it very, very seriously. And the reason is, this is, this is business. So this is business one-on-one, okay? If you go to college and you study business, it's first semester business one-on-one stuff. When one person complains, there's another hundred that were unhappy that didn't complain. Now, when you apply that to these various stories that we're talking about, like these hospitals, you know, going deep into the red, you know, all this kind of stuff, overwhelmed with the uh, migrant problem, et cetera, et cetera, there's another hundred of them that are experiencing the same problem. It's just not hitting the news, or we're not seeing it, and we're certainly not going to spend an entire radio show talking about that one subject, right? <clears throat> all right, praise God. Next one up. Ebola vaccine trials in Colorado. I find this to be very um, alerting. And the reason why is because there appears, as you heard through the various dialogues that I've already played for you, that um, they don't really know exactly what, you know, what version of uh, disease that X will take on soon. Well, if you've got live Ebola vaccine trials going on live, okay, in Colorado, um, and oh, by the way, these particular versions of Ebola have 31% shedding, and evidently, I didn't believe in shedding in, at the, in the beginning, but I did some more deep dive homework on it and found out that they, that they had even had shedding problems in the uh, Spanish flu of 1917. I didn't know that. So I had I stand corrected. I, I it just seemed like a reach to me and uh, kind of weird. Um, but um, now, you know, I, I, I can see where that would be the case. But the problem here is they're actually getting funding and they're in the process. OK, so this is being reported by The Washington Post, by the way. All right. That's pretty serious when they're actually doing vaccine trials for hemorrhagic fever viruses. That kind of, that's very telling. It tells me that that's the next biggie that they're planning on dumping out on us, which, by the way, would indicate if you intermingle it with the various events that are, you know, part of the ceremony vision. And I know I've been bringing it up an awful lot, and there's a gazillion other visions and dreams and things that we can extrapolate events from. I know that. Okay, but just to keep it a little simpler because it can get really, really confusing super fast, um, I'm just leaning back. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm just leaning back onto the ceremony one because it's so simple and concise and orderly, and I can just point to that. So I don't know. We'll see. What we don't know is the order of the events and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on we go. Another headline reads, Ebola vaccine that sheds onto slash infects others 31% of the time is given to Colorado healthcare workers just down the road from the new Ebola lab. Hmm. Yep. Hallelujah. Next one up. Denver Health Medical Team receives the Ebola vaccine. So people are actually volunteering for this. Are you here? Did you? Can you believe that? There, there are people that are going into the hospital and they're saying, "I would like to volunteer." to take your Ebola vaccine. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to comment on that. Okay. You know, <laughs> as uh, Thumper, 
as Stumper has said many times on this program, uh, here's Stumper, here's Stumper. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Okay, so I'm going to take Thumper's advice on this one. <laughs> okay, next one up. NATO chief warns people to prepare for war. Here's that NATO stuff that's bubbling up all over the place. You can't get away from it if you're out there uh, doing your, your daily doom scrolling and stuff. And sure enough, it says top NATO chief is now warning people directly okay, to prepare for war by radios and flashlights and I'm sure a bunch of other things, whatever the case is. This comes after the Swedish military warned the people in Sweden to have to prepare for war. And this particular individual says, what is going on here? So, um, yeah, you know, it is. Uh, and this particular tweet has over 3.3 million views. So, wow. Uh I, hopefully people are waking up to the seriousness of the situation that we're in right now. Uh, McGregor comes out and shoots out another tweet and says, Israel wants a full war against Hezbollah. It says the Israelis want a war of annihilation against Hezbollah up in Lebanon. They see Hezbollah as a much more dangerous as much more dangerous than Hamas. We have a carrier group and will probably send another to augment and reinforce the Israeli operation. This at some point will bring in Iran. And then he says, pay attention. And then next one up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. House Republicans want to defund the World Economic Forum. Oh, boy, I'm sure that's going to work. House Republicans have introduced legislation to defund the World Economic Forum. The Defund Davos Act would specifically block any federal agency from providing funding for the WEF. Oh, thank goodness they're doing that. I'm sure that's going to stop. Look, this is excellent. If they get this, if they pass this bill, we can rip the whole book of Revelation right out of the Bible. I'm joking. But anyway, you get my point. I, I you know, that's the that's the sad. You know, as I'm sharing some of these victories uh that appear to be humongous victories with various people that I ch- chit-chat with now and then, you know, we all have to come back to reality uh and realize well, the Bible is going to come true one way or the other for sure. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next up. Korea says it tested underwater nuclear attack drones. So, wowee, huh? North Korea, Friday, tested purposed underwater nuclear attack drones. Very serious stuff here. All right. Um, uh, oh, oh, and also, Speaker Johnson is now being warned to vacate the chair. So the Republicans in the House of Representatives are extremely upset with Johnson because he's caving. The problem is his majority is so teeny-weeny, it's infinitesimally small, and he can't get anything accomplished. So what he's doing is he's letting the Democratic side get away with you know not stopping the border stuff. And so the other Republicans are getting real not happy, to put it lightly, okay, uh, because they feel that Johnson should put the brakes on reopening the government, getting the, you know new funding, et cetera, until they all agree to shut down the border. So there's a big, you know, contest going on there, and they're threatening to get him to vacate. Another headline reads, Mayorkas, it says the United States House of Representatives moves ahead to drive to impeach Mayorkas over the immigration policy. 
I mean, talk about a day late and a dollar short. How about leaving a couple of hundred million more of them in here first? Oh, and then I saw this one video. It was unbelievable. This guy, which the things that he was saying were so incredibly ignorant. Just It was an American, I think. And he was confronting this tall um, Middle Eastern man south of the border. And the Middle Eastern man basically said in so many words, just wait, you're going to see why we're coming. And of course, the American said really dumb things after that. And I'm thinking, man, dude, you just don't have any idea. You got no clue. Most Americans are like that. We're invincible. Nobody will mess with us. We're big, bad. We're, you know, and all that kind of. No, what's coming is going to be so horrible, and people are not going to be ready for it. It is going to be insane. Now, I got to play this for you. This is amazing. This applies to all of us. It's about three minutes long, and it's worth every second. And this is a man talking about the pain of awakening. Uh, I would call it going to the thousand milligram red pill. It was, it's the thing that all of us have done. Well, if you're a regular listener of this show, surely you have. Um, and it, and what he's echoing in this commentary is our emotions that each of us are dealing with. I think it exacerbates the burden because we're waiting for Jesus. That he, this this guy doesn't mention that. All right, let's listen to what he says. It's really it's amazing. There who know what is really going on. To all my conspiracy theorist friends, sometimes it's a curse and not a blessing to be awake. In my over 45 years of behind-the-scenes invisible intelligence work, I feel compelled to share the following for your consideration. Awakening is the most liberating, alienating, excruciating, empowering, lonely, confusing, freeing, frightening, expansive journey And if you find yourself struggling trying to process all this insanity, believe me when I say you are not alone. No one talks about the darkness that accompanies awakening or the grief we go through, not only grieving the life and illusions that you once had, but the realization that almost everything you thought you knew is a lie. The beliefs you've held, people you've trusted, principles you were taught, all lies. Shattering illusions is never an enjoyable experience. There is a considerable amount of discomfort that comes with growth, and the grieving process doesn't stop there. With these newfound realizations, you will find yourself grieving all over again, grieving the loss of many relationships with people who just don't get it, feeling alone, being ridiculed and shamed, not only by the masses, but for many of you, your very own family and friends, too feeling like you no longer have much in common with the people you're surrounded by, struggling with carrying on bullshit, shallow conversations that lack substance with those who are still fast asleep, even feeling disconnected from your entire support system because they can't see what you see. Some even grieve the loss of their ignorance because ignorance is bliss and reality is harsh. Awakening can be a lonely road, and you will often find yourself journeying alone. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Awakening to the realities of this world is brutal. It will have you running through the entire gamut of human emotions. You have to master the art of diving down the darkest of rabbit holes only to come out and still function in daily life. And that's a skill. 
uh, people don't talk about enough. Amen. Some of you are or will struggle with feeling disconnected from family and friends. It's as though they exist in another world. Please know you are not alone. And not only are you not alone, you have an entire group of like-minded folks standing with you. You may be separate. We may be separated by miles, but we are deeply connected in mind, purpose, and spirit. God loves you, and so do I. Signed, Dave. Wow. I didn't get to the end of it when I queued it up, so I didn't know he said God loves you, and so do I. I think that's really, really cool. That's a keeper. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Paper dictator Trump. It says new German newspaper Spiegel or Spiegel predicts quote unpredictable times for Europe if quote dictator Trump wins the election. Now I was looking at this and I was thinking to myself, is that how the German people actually feel, or is this coming from their elites, their WEF members? Yeah, the latter for sure. I, I'd be willing to bet a crispy thousand dollars that the people I know over in Germany are not thinking that at all. All right. Praise God. Thank you. They feel like they got railroaded and they did. All right. So anyway. Oh, so now what's this all about? Um, has anybody out there heard of the Basel three deadline? Okay, so Basel II was the banking uh, regulation for all the banks. They had to, you know, be compliant with it. Um, but evidently, a few, you know, years ago, uh, and it has a way. The deadline has a way of sneaking up on these folks. And they're basically what this. This is the the comment from the CEO of the Bank of Bank of America. His name is Brian uh, Moynihan, and he says on the Basel III Endgame deadline on Monday, January 23rd. Now, my computer says that January 23rd is actually on Tuesday. So, but that's okay. Um, he says a 20% increase in our capital does not make sense because Bank of America operates on a 10% proof of reserves, and they need to get 30% before Monday. So basically what this is saying is that if the banks are going to be out there taking billions, if they, if they, if they deal with more than $100 billion worth of money, that's the uh, the, the high watermark, um, then they have to have 30% of their uh, betting. You know, they, they, they take your money, and then they put it into the stock market market and they try to make money off of it. All right. You know, that's how they operate. And so now they're saying Basel three is saying, well, you got to have 30% of that stuff covered. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so anyway, just wanted to cover that. I, what does that mean? I mean, really, I've seen articles that even say they imply that if the banks can't cover 30% of their assets, by this deadline that they have to close. And I'm like, oh, come on. That can't be for real. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. Ballistic missiles. Uh, tw- some, some, some counted as many as 20 or suggested there were as many as 20. It says the report of the use of ballistic missiles against U.S. Air, uh, US forces at Al-Assad Air Base in western Iraq, by who right now appears to have been the Iranian-backed forces, a massive escalation is likely seen by U.S. Central Command as crossing the red line. Okay, so there were 20 missiles, uh, give or take, shot, and only two people died. But in the middle of all this, and I could play the, the news report, Dun, 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 all that kind of stuff, but I, we're getting real close to Terry. Um, Iraqi leader again, this is another headline. Iraqi leader again demands that the United States-led coalition get out. 
And by the way, they're trying to bring in more U.S. troops to the um, Iraqi um, uh, facilities, military facilities, and he's blocking them. He's literally blocking them. Go back. Go back. You're not allowed here. That kind of thing. Uh, McGregor comes back out and he tweets, Israel's war with Hamas is mutated into a campaign to rid Israel of its Arab population. The development pits Israel and the United States in a showdown with the Islamic world and potentially Russia, China, and the global south. He's not too pleased about it, by the way. Then a headline comes out and it says... We are attacking Iran. That's a direct quote. And it came out of the mouth of Netanyahu. Israel's prime minister accuses Tehran of supporting militant groups from the Houthis to Hezbollah to Hamas. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said that Israel is already carrying out direct attacks on Iran and is making every possible effort to prevent Tehran from attaining nuclear weapons. Although, after we heard what we heard regarding plutonium from Douglas McGregor in the close-knit uh, links, to, you know, the the buddy-buddy system they got going on with Russia, I would be hard-pressed to believe they don't already have nuclear tip missiles. But anyway, next one up, praise God. Biden has agreed. He was holding back there for a while. I mean, if you know, whoever's imitating him, he's already dead. We know that. His relatives came forward and said so. I don't know what that entity is. It's just too creepy to even think about it. Uh, but anyway, it says the Biden administration has reportedly now agreed with the United States defense officials on the need of a large-scale, sustained military operation against the Houthis, following 10 days of missile and airstrikes that have failed to end the Houthi attack. So basically, in a nutshell, they said, we don't think it's going to drag on for a really long time. However, we, we need to go in there and carpet bomb them. Just send them back to the Stone Ages. So that's what they're talking about doing right now. But here's the problem. They are real buddy buddy with Iran. Real buddy buddy with Iran. Okay, so anyway, I'm not going to get into all the details of that, but they're you know they're all in bed together. All right, next one up. Praise Jesus. Migrants in New York City are leaving um, excrement and such in cups and putting it on stairs at people's houses. Isn't that pleasant? So you get to walk out of your house. I'm not going to tell that story. Never mind. I'm going to. Um, ooh, this one here I want to mark uh, for reading on the next show. So let me go ahead and flag that. It's got some really good stuff. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to read this little snippet here. I'm looking at the time. Due to the, this is a commentary by some guy. He calls himself Ariel. He's not always right. He thinks he is. Um, but he does come up with some really good stuff once in a while. And he says, this is an excerpt from a big thing that he wrote. Due to the desperate nature of these circumstances, he's talking about Q and independent journalism and the, you know, the censorship and all that other stuff. According to military intelligence sources from Russia, Germany, and Italy, they are, there are reported plans by NATO and the United States CIA for a potential false flag event in either the Black Sea or the Mediterranean Sea. The alleged scheme involves the deliberate sinking of a United States Navy ship, resulting in the loss of American soldiers. The intent is to attribute the attack to either Russia or a Muslim nation, potentially serving as a catalyst for World War III and raising the risk of a nuclear conflict. Presently, unidentified sources in the United States, Europe, Russia, uh, known as White Hats, have mobilized media outlets to bring attention to these purported deep state flag operations. It is anticipated that figures such as Tucker Carlson, Elon Musk, Russian media, EU media, and various conservative news outlets intentionally will disclose the details regarding NATO's participation in these false flag events. Hmm. 
And then he goes on, he says, it's crucial for fellow patriots to be vigilant uh, as they deploy their final strategies. These alleged tactics to include interfering with the United States elections, instigating civil unrest, provoking World War III, instigating another pandemic, introducing an alien invasion narrative, orchestrating cyber attack-induced blackouts, and potentially orchestrating a controlled electromagnetic pulse while attributing it to natural solar activity, this person makes the claim. So, anyway, next one up. Time Yemen to block all Middle East seas. They are calling it the Al-Aqsa Triangle. So it wasn't enough for Yemen to really upset the shipping routes for the entire world, and ultimately which will lead to um, super-duper hyperinflation for all of us. It's going to punch us out real bad. <clears throat> you know, it costs an awful lot of money for them to take those ships around the south uh, of uh, Africa. So anyway, um, so now the Houthis decided, no, 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 we're going to take out everything. Yeah, yeah, we're going to we are going to block uh the Bab al Mandab, the Strait of Hormuz and the Suez Canal. And we're going to stop oil and gas from feeding Israel, Qatar, the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> Okay, and then in federal court, uh, Dominion hacking demo. So in a federal court in Atlanta, Georgia, on Friday, J. Alex Halderman was able to hack a Dominion voting trans uh, tabulator in front of the United States District Judge Amy Totenberg using only a pen to change the voting total. So he actually held the machine up, showed it to her, put it on her desk, and said, watch me do this. <laughs> now, do you think that's going to change anything? I'm kind of thinking not. Okay, unfortunately, uh, I'll, I'll spare you bringing Glenn on, but, you know, that's just tacos. Um, here's a great Heritage Foundation. Kevin Roberts, he's the president of the Heritage Foundation, and he just absolutely decimates. He just opens up scorched earth on the elites at, uh, world, at the World Economic Forum. And I would love to play it for you, but we're running low on time, and I want to try to punch my way through the last couple of these. So let me just go ahead and highlight this. We're rolling it over. Boom. There we go. Hallelujah. Another headline. Iraq refused entry of U.S. troops. I already talked about that, but they're actually showing photographs and the troops trying to come in and then turning them back around. Then we got the Texas fight with the feds. Okay, so I'm um, trying to look at the one that's the best one. Thousands rally across. No, no, no. CBS News, Biden. Okay, so the Biden administration is now warning. Now, we talked about this on the prior show, how uh, you know Abbott had had this, the National Guard turn away the federal uh, Border Patrol people from that one park, okay, where they were just coming across in untold numbers. Um, and um, Anyway, so that's still going on, but now, of course, in their normal fashion of phenomenal lies, they're coming out and Biden, Biden administration is saying, no, no, you can't do that. We're going to take over. Uh, you know, they're, they're warring with each other. Abbott's saying, no, you're not. Biden's saying, yes, we are. No, you're not. Yes, we are. No, you're not. Yes, we are. No, you're not. Yes, we are. Texas has already signed a resolution in their house that said that they want to secede from the United States. And then they weave in a lie about, you know, I think it's a lie. Now, maybe it's not a lie, but I think it is a lie because they have to make their case. They can't just say we're going to override, you know, Abbott and we're going to just like millions of people come in here. They have to have this like event. And so they're saying now that a woman and her kid died trying, you know, in the Rio Grande River. They drowned while they were trying to get across. 
And I'm like, so they're basically trying to paint out Abbott as being way out of line. He's killing people. This is just not acceptable. Mayorkas is mad. Everybody's mad. Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. Three minutes before Terry. It's going to be a great teaching. Praise God. Thousands demand, uh, thousands rally across Israel to demand a deal on the hostage release. So there's a lot of people in Israel that are very, very not happy with the fact that all of the hostages have not yet been returned. And there are some uh, experts, if you will, uh, who believe that at best, maybe 30% of Hamas has been taken out at this point. So when you consider the death toll and the destruction and everything that's going on, and now the expansion out to Hezbollah and Lebanon and the Houthis and the blocking of all the sea lanes and and an extended war, you know, action on the Houthis from D.C. and what's going to happen with Iran and oh my goodness gracious! Because remember, Israel's a loose card. Like the Bible says, they're a burdensome stone. In other words, they stir up a lot of stuff. Okay, and it's happening right now. Praise God. It's happening right now. We're seeing it all come together. And um, just remember, folks, just be encouraged. Be encouraged because no matter how crummy your situation is, fight really, really hard. Seek righteousness. Seek, ask God for help. If you've got a problem, something in your life, some behavior, whatever the case is, seek the Lord. Get on your knees. Ask for help. And be persistent. Be the persistent widow in Luke uh, 18. Be that persistent widow. Never stop asking, Father, I need help with this. Father, please, I need help with this. Please, Father. Okay, be adamant about it. Seek the Lord. Be the persistent widow. Do not give up. Okay, there's plenty of time. Remember the parable of the workers in the vineyard and how the a whole bunch of them came in real late. Real late. And they all got the same pay. What does that tell you? It's not too late. So whatever, don't let the devil stick ideas into your head and make you think that, oh, I'm never going to make it. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I run across this so much. People just get depressed. And they're like, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I just can't. I'm not worthy. There's no way. I'm not going <clears> to. <throat> and I'm like, no, 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 no. Do not let Satan get that, that, the seed of that evil idea into your head. Be encouraged, folks. We are getting really, really close. And I don't think there's anybody that's awake like that guy was talking about in the audio bite. I don't think there's anybody that's on a 500 milligram or more red pill that doesn't know. Every time I talk to my sister, Marilyn, who used to be as clueless as a, you know, thumbtack, <clears throat> she's getting smarter and smarter and smarter. I mean, she knows we're there. And for me to say that about my sister Marilyn is a monumental proclamation, okay? Just letting you know. Okay, so anyway, on that note, let's go ahead and bring on Sister Terry Hill. Praise God. She has a whole 90 minutes, and I'm so happy about that. We were able to get all the news caught up to as well. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Here we go. Terry, are you there? Hi, John. I'm here. It's good to be with you. 
I'm so happy that you're here. Praise God. You put a lot of work into I was letting everybody in the very beginning of the show know that I have all three of the documents, you know, that you created with all the scriptural references and stuff that people can follow, follow along. So I told them where to find them. They are published in PDF formats for anybody who wants to, you know, if you go to tribulationnow.com and you look in the links, just go to the very bottom link and it's a, it just says Terry Hill on it and you'll be able to find all three of the documents. Uh, Terry, how's your what? I, I checked your website. It's up and running. How's everything going with that? You know what? It's going all right, John. I do appreciate you posting everything because uh, the person who was helping me with the website is not always too, uh, able to keep that up to date. So thank you so much for what you do on your end. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. Praise God. All right. Well, on that note, I saw the volume. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a big message. It's going to be a powerful message. It's going to be one that you're going to want to hear. I praise Jesus. So thank you so much, Terry, for joining us tonight. God bless you. The mic is yours. Well, thank you, John. And to all of you, my beloved and brothers and sisters, uh, a happy and blessed new year to those of you who trust Jesus Christ, because, beloved, we are getting closer and closer to the coming of our King, and we're so very grateful for what he put into his word for us and for the faithful messengers that he has placed in strategic places to keep us informed. And uh, for all of that, I say to God be the glory. Uh, I'd like to give you uh, my email address uh, at the beginning here. If you do have prayer requests, um, I would be happy to take those prayer requests. And you can reach me at a word in due season. 777 at gmail.com and my website address is a word in due season.com and so uh, with that let's just pray and come into agreement father I thank you and I praise you for this time that you've given us together I thank you for every brother and sister I thank you for all that you are allowing and all that you see under your watchful eye knowing that all things are working together for good to them that love God that are called according to his purpose. Father, I'm asking that you would help me now to condense this message. You know what your people need to hear tonight. I ask you put your word in my mouth. I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak and the Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified. And we ask this, Father, in the name of Jesus. It's been a couple of months since I've been with you, but um, it's been time uh, well spent with the Lord. Uh, starting in December, I had my husband and I were able to get away and just spend some time. And again, just uh, even recovering from the flu, I'm amazed at how God can and does use everything. He allows us to be still before him. And that has been my situation. I've had time with him. And from the beginning of the year, it turned right into January. And this is what I heard, ambushes and traps abound this year eyes wide open and so the lord began to give me the word ambush as we rolled in to the first of uh january of 2024 and uh again when there are certain words that are generally in your vocabulary and we're trying to listen to the lord's voice i take notes and i listen i get into the word and i wait and i ask him to speak to me and he's actually even been speaking to me in dreams and uh, i'll talk a little bit about that in a minute but what I'd like to talk to you about is, is the word that he gave me, ambush, and uh, eyes wide open, he said. And I found all kinds of examples in the word of God. And uh, we know that God has watchmen on the wall uh, that speak to the people from all different venues and all different sources. 
but basically, um, just talking about the word ambush here, it's a tactic of war. Now, all of us know that we're in a spiritual war and that this is manifesting in the physical realm. And all of us are, are watching, uh, those of us whom Jesus has alerted to the day in which we live, uh, he told us to not be deceived. And he went to great extent, both in the Old and the New Testament, to talk about the ambushes that are brought against God's people. And in particularly in the book of Daniel, or the book of Revelation, in the day in which we live, we read about it in Matthew 24. And so let's talk about ambush just for a minute. So I was impressed was that it's the act of lying in wait. So as a tactic of war, an enemy would lie in wait for uh, the purpose of attacking by surprise. And so it involves a strategic concealment for a surprise attack. And so there are plots and there are tactics that the enemy uh, is, a, is trying to set up against our lives, against the lives of unsuspecting ones. Uh, against those who already are deceived, but particularly for those who are the chosen of the Lord, uh, the people of God, we know the enemy lies in wait, attempting to attack by surprise. Now, what we know about ambushes, and we hear about many of these things in the news, we hear about them uh, from people who are um, placed and reporting. There are faithful journalists thank god out there there are faithful men and women who are reporting accurately and for those individuals we need to continue to pray but what we do know about an ambush is that it can have global national and individual applications so i want to talk a little bit about that um, uh, basically uh, an ambush uh, can consist of a catastrophic event of global proportions, okay? We know that it also can consist of a national security event with a high impact. In other words, it would impact the individuals in a nation or uh, within an area of a country. And then finally, an ambush can involve or be an event which places the individual in danger. Okay, and that would include like a loss of life, a loss of freedom, or livelihood. And so there are many who are reporting on global events, and I am grateful for that. There are many who are reporting on things happening in, uh, among tribal groups and in nations. But specifically, I would like to talk about those ambushes that as Christians, you and I have to be aware of, uh, plots and traps that are being set against us and by the grace of god he will give us eyes to see he will give us ears to hear and there will be people set in places to alert us so let's talk just for a minute uh as as i actually talked about it last year just briefly and i know others have as well about black swan events which we have heard defined as complex global shocks all right and so some of these things could consist of major climactic events uh, could consist of what they called future pandemic risk or events involving biological agents uh, disruption to global flow of goods or people uh, cyberspace 
or global digital uh, connecting disruptions. Major events in outer space could be one. Invasions and what we know as black swan events. You've heard John and others talk about that. So again, catastrophic events of global proportions. <clears throat> and so what that does is it opens up new ways of functioning and it makes way for the old to be replaced by the new. And again, <clears throat> we all know that um, the elites are planning these things. We know that uh, they have met in Davos this week. We know that part of their pattern to control is first of all, they create the problem. And then they create or find a solution to the problem. Then they become the saviors of the problem. And so these are political, religious, and economic entities, and these all have a voice. So um, there are emergency platforms that they come up with, and we are going to be talking about some things that we see in God's Word, and some of these examples, uh, if we look back in our own brief history, for example, in the U.S., uh, the Wall Street crash of 1929, uh, resulting in Great Depression, uh, global financial crisis of 2008, the 9-1-1 terrorist attack, the COVID pandemic, uh, again, there will be national security events with high impacts. And what we see in God's word for God's people is a hope that we have, beloved, that the world does not have. I want to take you in to the book of Acts to start. And I want you to see and how you and I can both relate. In the book of Acts, chapter 22, when Jesus called Saul of Tarsus, when he had, when Saul had an encounter with the Lord, and we know that Saul's name was changed to Paul, in Acts 22:11, the Lord stood at Paul's side and he said, take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. Now, each of us have been called by the Lord, those who have been born from above, the chosen and the elect of God, those whom the Lord calls his remnant, his people. <coughs> Excuse me. We know that as Paul had to testify in Jerusalem and witness for Christ at Rome, God has a plan and a path for each of us. And in Acts 22, in verse 12, we find that the Jews were forming a conspiracy. In fact, they bound themselves with an oath, saying that they weren't going to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. In fact, there were 40 of them, verse 13 tells us, that formed this plot. <clears throat> and in verse 16, it says the son of Paul's sister, so this would be Paul's nephew, heard about their ambush. He came and entered the barracks and told Paul about it. And so word was passed on to the council, and uh, there was an intervention that came in Paul's behalf. He was moved to Caesarea. And then we find 
uh, also later that Paul is coming before uh, Festus in uh, chapter 25, verse 3. Uh, we have the chief priests and the men of the Jews are bringing charges against Paul. And beloved, those of us who walk with Christ, the accuser of the brethren is quick to bring charges against the people of God. And verse 3 says that they were requesting a concession, these um, chief priests, and they came to Festus. It said that they wanted to bring him to Jerusalem. At that same time, they were setting an ambush to kill him on the way. So what we find in the word of God is that civil and religious leaders plotted against Jesus. They plotted against Paul. In both Old and New Testament, we find false allegations and ambushes are set up against God's people while they were on the way. That's important. We're all on the way. We're all on the path that leads to life. We have set our faces like a flint, and we are headed to the city of God. Praise God. So what's happening in, in the New Testament, and particularly in the book of Acts, we find that charges are brought against God's people, and we know that mobs are formed. And we've been seeing that this has happened the past couple of years. We see that they will continue to happen and to grow. And these mobs actually incite the people, and they set the city in an uproar. So they agitate the people, and they stir up the crowds against his people. You can read about that in the book of Acts. And again, I've got lots of notes, beloved, that um, I probably will not get through, but are happy to send them to you if you'd like to read them. And so repeatedly, there are conspiracies that are formed against God's people, and there will be people, in fact, who make oaths uh, to take out men and women of God. And we find that ambushes are set up in strategic places. But there's something that I'd like to read to you, and I want to encourage you at the onset to see regardless of any ambush that you may find yourself in or any plot, plan of wickedness that you find yourself the victim of something that you are not responsible for, you find that there are malicious people who gather against you. You find that uh, things happen. Individuals seem to be in hiding places, and they come out of nowhere to kill, to steal, and to destroy you, your family, your business, your ministry, your finances, uh, your relatives, friends, on and on it goes. <clears throat> I actually was encouraged by what John read about uh, from this brother Dave as he talked about the disconnect that he feels. Because when God begins to open our eyes, and we begin to see not only what is really going on, but when we go into God's and we realize that Jesus spoke it and, and, and made it very clear. He said, in the world you will have tribulation. So what I'm describing is the tribulation that is normal for people who walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, if you are experiencing the pain of rejection and being misunderstood, it seems that it's difficult to try to initiate a conversation and to speak with people on a level of truth because, beloved, when it comes right down to it, every ambush, every plot, every trap and snare the enemy sets for you and for me 
is utilized in the war against truth. Beloved, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a sanctified vessel that has been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. And within you is a weight of glory. Within you are exceeding great and precious promises. Within you is the spirit of truth. And this is what the enemy hates. So I want to read to you out of the book of Philippians to encourage you. This is Philippians 1, starting at verse 12. Now, Paul had been testifying He had been ambushed. He had gone through many, many things, as did many individuals in the early church and certainly today. But listen how Paul encouraged the believers at Philippi, starting at verse 12 in Philippians 1. This is what he says. Now, Paul had been in jail four years when he wrote this, okay? He says, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Verse 14, that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ from envy and strife, but some are preaching from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. So then he asked the question in verse 18, what then? He said, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Now, beloved, I don't know if you have experienced actual imprisonment or if your living situation or your um, uh, fact of life or how you live, where you live, what is going on with your marriage or your family or your ministry, if you find yourself in that straight place of in prison, you're a prison somewhere, somehow. What what you don't understand and know is that God is not using just your situation for God to reveal himself to you, but that others are watching your life. Others are listening to your testimony at work, in your neighborhood, in your family, among relatives, during the holidays when you go to visit with them and you talk to them about your experiences and what you've been going through, you see there's much more to it than you and I realize. There's a kingdom within a people of God. There is a kingdom that God is building within us now, and someday that kingdom will be realized. And because of your courage, you are causing others to have courage, to speak the word of God without fear. Uh, I don't know what kind of persecution you've been enduring. Uh, I don't know the extent of rejection or of loneliness that you're enduring. But I do know this, that when Paul was writing to this church after being in jail for four years, he said, I'm rejoicing that Christ is being preached. And again, if we remember... 
that these ambushes and these plots that are made not only against the general population, but specifically against men and women who've been redeemed because it is a war against truth. And we have to remember that. Now, ambushes are set up in strategic places. Now, for every family, for every single one of us who is hearing this message, you are a part of a family who are also part of a community, who are a part part of a city and a member of a country. So there are ambushes set up in strategic places. Uh, It happened uh, in the field. These things happen in the field. Jesus said the field is the world. Um, At the gates of the city, uh, we know that Mordecai, for example, sat in the king's gate in the book of uh, Esther. We know that there were uh, plots that were being made against the people of God. We know that because Mordecai is a type uh, of one who is an overcomer because of the assignment on his life. We can look at his life and we can see that even as he sat uh, in the king's gate, in Esther chapter 2, we find that the plot of the enemy became known to him. Why is that? Because he was at the right place at the right time. Let me just read this to you. You know, you might think, well, you know, I just have this job. It's just my livelihood or wherever it is that you function and work and serve. But God has strategically placed you for his own purposes there. Listen to what it says in Esther 2, 21. It says, in those days, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. And then two of the king's officials actually uh, became angry and sought to lay hands on the king, came known to Mordecai. So He happened to be in the right place at the right time. He heard about a plot that was being planned. And uh, then there's a fellow by the name of Haman uh, who begins to plot against the people of God. And Haman is, um, is lying to the king, and he's saying, you know, there's a people in your kingdom, and these people do not observe your laws. So it is not in the king's interest to let them remain. And so Haman tricks the king into making a decree. And then uh, Mordecai and Esther learn about Haman's plot. So you see, these plots are revealed. And again, they are tricks. They are devices and snares that the enemy sets up. Because what we're finding is that God has a people who are um, stationed very specifically. And Mordecai, actually, who was an official, was in the king's palace, and he was raising Esther. So Mordecai, is a, he is a Jew, and he's uh, sat in the king's gate, and he refused to bow to Haman. And Mordecai spoke into Esther's life, who's a bride, and was advising her, during her preparation time, and he was communicating with her after she became queen. So Mordecai is the type of those through whom the ministry of the Holy Spirit flows. So these gallows that were erected by Haman were actually designed to cut off the Holy Spirit's ministry because Mordecai uh, was called to help raise the bride. Mordecai was eventually promoted, but he exposed a plot devised against the king, and he's like a watchman. He's actually 
perceiving what Haman has been planning against the people of God, and he's crying in the midst of the city. And so he's bringing an accurate report to Esther, the bride, and is advising her. And so we have the book of Esther that was written, and what we see is within the structure of religious Babylon, okay? Sadly, many of our brethren are still within the structure of religious Babylon, and the Lord is calling them out. So this harlot of Babylon, sadly, is exerting great influence over vast numbers of people. But here's the thing. The devil hates the one who is preparing the bride for the throne. So you men and women of God who are speaking into the lives of God's people, who are making disciples, who are evangelizing, who are sharing the gospel, who are exposing the enemy's plot, you're like a watchman and you are crying in the midst of the city and you're making these plans and these plots known. And, and so what we're seeing is God is exposing Haman's plot and gallows. These gallows are going to be exposed and, in fact, are being exposed. We find that in Scripture, uh, the Lord uses the word beasts many times, uh, which are, in fact, entities. They're wicked oppressors. They're like beasts, he said, who ambush the innocent without a reason. And the word of God uh, tells us that these individuals fight against God's people. They distort our words. Their thoughts are against us. They attack. They watch our steps and seek to take our lives. Uh, We know that the enemy set an ambush and launch attacks against us. And we also know from scripture that God will allow what he calls noisome beasts, and that comes from Ezekiel 14, 15. He will allow them to pass through the land to bring judgment upon the wicked. And so with the invasions that we're seeing, with the wickedness that we're seeing, we know that um, God can even use these beasts of the field for his own purposes. Um, Exodus 23 talks about that. But what Jesus wants us to see, because he's written these things in his book for us, he's recorded these things that they don't catch us from surprise. What he does is he tells the bride in the Song of Solomon 4, 8, he says, come with me. And in the Song of Solomon, what we find is that he is calling to his bride to come to the top, the top of the mountain, to the heights above the place where the lepers and the lions are, where these beasts are hiding, where they plan things in their dens. You see, we have to come up higher, beloved, to see these so that we're not overwhelmed when they begin to manifest. If Jesus can raise us up and help us to see with the eyes of the Spirit, we will be then in a position of looking down on them instead of us looking up at them. Can you see the difference? And hence the call that we hear the Lord say, come up higher. He is calling us come up, to come up higher to see these beasts from an elevated spiritual position because the word of God talks about different beasts, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But in the meantime, when we read about beasts in Scripture, They do have symbolic meanings, 
and it includes that of world rulers and empires. And Daniel 7 describes it. Hosea 13 describes it. Revelation 13 describes it. Um, and so these beasts and these wicked individuals who plot against the people of God, we find that they're waging war against the saints. Again, ultimately, because it is a war against truth. And as we walk with the Lord Jesus, if we keep ourselves in that state of readiness, there are practical things we can do so that we're not caught in um, snares and in traps. Now, let me just say this. Sadly, as was the case with Samson, he actually opened the door for an ambush because he was involved with a harlot. Now, we know that he was um, playing around with this harlot, and she had um, made an agreement with the Philistines, and they were, in fact, hiding in her chamber in an inner room. And though Samson was called of God, he was prophesied of even before his birth. God had a great plan for him. And in his death, he did defeat and kill many uh, Philistines in his death. But sadly, he opened the door for this ambush to come into his life. Now, that is not always the case. There are times as with Jesus and with the Apostle Paul, they were simply obeying the voice of the Father, found themselves in a place of being betrayed. They found themselves in a place of uh, where the civil and religious authorities were conspiring against them. And there are some things that God will allow. But again, as I read to you, as was the, uh, Paul's uh, case in Philippi, he said, God has used this even for the advancement of the gospel. Now, also in the wilderness, we know that David was pursued and hunted by Saul. And the scripture said that the Lord prospered David, and yet he was hunted like a dog. He was hunted and always on the run. David, as you know, had um, made an agreement and entered into a covenant with Jonathan. So Jonathan would be there at strategic times to tell David, this is being planned against you. And even as um, David was hunted by Paul, or by Saul, uh, the Lord would warn him at the appropriate time. In fact, let me just read something to you. In 1 Samuel 19, we see how God protected him. Again, David had a call on his life. He was called to be king of Israel. You and I have a call upon our lives, and we will fulfill that call. As God gives grace, he is going to let us live day by day, even as the enemy would try to hunt us down, reveal our identity, steal from us, lie against us, uh, cause pain and affliction to come. Nevertheless, 1 Samuel 19, it said that Saul told Jonathan and all of his servants to put David to death. So Jonathan told David in verse 2, my father seeking to put you to death. Now, he gives some good advice to the man of God here. Jonathan gives some good advice here, and I want to read that to you. First of all, he said, please be on guard. That's good advice. Then he says, stay in a secret place. Praise God, we abide in the secret place of the Most High. 
under the shadow of the Almighty, then he says, hide yourself. And so, beloved, as we walk in humility, hiding ourselves, uh, the Lord covers us and advises us at the very time that we need to know it's time to pick up and do this. It's time to move your family to another place. It's time to move your finances. It's time to make a change. The Lord will advise his people. And we find in 1 Samuel 19 also uh, it says here, why then would you sin against innocent blood? So Jonathan's talking to his father by putting David to death without a cause. Now this is why in verse 9 of 1 Samuel 19, and this is what we're seeing now that's happening with the civil authorities and those who are plotting against the people. There was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. David was playing the harp with his hand. So there are those like Saul who are jealous of David. They hate David. They don't want this righteous king to come to the throne. There's vengeance in their hearts. There's evil in their heart. And the scripture is clear. There was an evil spirit from the Lord that came on him. This is twice recorded in God's word. Saul is holding his spear to try to kill the man of God. But David was playing the harp with his hand. And so we have David the worshiper. We have a people of God who worship God in spirit and in truth, who have been with the Lord and his sheep in the wilderness who have been ministering to the Lord, who have been learning to do the warfare, fighting against bear and lions, so that when the day comes when the the great Philistine named Goliath stood before him, David was well able to overtake him because he had been with the Lord in the wilderness for many years. And so verse 10 says that Saul tries to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slips away out of Saul's presence so that he struck the spear into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. And then in verse 18, David is still fleeing. It says he fled and he escaped to Samuel at Ramah. So we see those who are called to rule and to reign with Christ, a picture of David, uh, the king, the one who was called a man after God's own heart. We see him now joined with Samuel. And we see that this is a pattern, that those who will rule and reign with Christ will be joined with true prophetic ministry. They will hear the word of the Lord. They will hearken to the word of the Lord, even though they may be pursued and hunted by the governing authorities, even though they may be pursued by family members and relatives who want to kill them or take their throne or disown them as David's son Absalom. Uh, rebelled against him. We see the enemy, the oppressor, sets up these traps. But time and time again, we see that God spares his beloved because he has a work to do. And beloved, God has a work and a plan for your life and for mine. And though there are days that it seems relentless, if it's not one thing, it's something else. We need to understand that the hand of God is upon you and upon me, and he will fulfill his word. He has spoken it, he has decreed it, and he is going to fulfill his call on your life. Now, we know with Nehemiah, also Nehemiah's enemies 
were plotting against him and the people of God. I want to read something to you here in Nehemiah 6, because we see plots and plans and ambushes and traps set for God's people from the beginning to the very end of God's word. In Nehemiah 6, verse 1, it says, It came about when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, to Geshem, and to the rest of our enemies. Uh, This is Nehemiah saying that there was no breach remained. We'd rebuilt the wall. And although I had not set up the doors and the gates, and Sanballat sent a message to me saying, Come, let us meet together. But they were planning to harm me. Now the man of God, the woman of God, will know by the Spirit these voices that pretend to come for good, to meet together in solidarity. The scripture tells us that Nehemiah knew it. He says that they were planning to harm me. Verse 4 says, they sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them the same way. Then Sanballat sends his servant the same time, and a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And in this letter, it's reported among you. And so basically, he begins to speak lies about Nehemiah and the work that was going on and those who were working with him. And so it's going to be recorded to the king. Uh, So in other words, he's trying to intimidate him. Uh, Verse 8 says, I sent a message to him saying, such things that you are saying have not been done, but you're inventing them in your own mind. Again, false accusations are being brought against the people of God. They are simply carrying on with God's work. But we see the enemies conspiring together to hinder the work of God in your life, in my life. But notice the goodness of God and how he intervenes. Watch this. Verse 9 says, they were trying to frighten us, thinking they're going to become discouraged with the work, and it won't be done. Oh, now, God, strengthen my hands. Beloved, the work God has called you to is going to be done because it's not by your might or power. It is by his spirit. And God has a remnant of people that are working with you. Though we might be far apart from one another on the wall, I want you to know that we all have the sword in our hand. That's the word of God. And we each have our own tool. And we're each building, doing the work that God has uniquely assigned us and given us to do. Okay, verse 10 says, when I entered the house of Shemaiah, he said, let's meet together in the house of God. Now, here's someone pretending to be one of God's people. Notice this. Uh, He says, you know what? Let's close the doors. They're coming to kill you. So here comes a false brethren with a false prophecy. And Nehemiah says, should a man like me flee? I I won't go into the temple to save myself. I won't go in. Notice what verse 12 says of Nehemiah 6, because God will do this for you and for me, and I believe he has at times, and we may not even have known it. Notice, he says, I perceived surely God had not sent him. But he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened and act accordingly and sin, that they would have an evil report in order they could reproach me. Beloved, there is nothing new under the sun. 
The enemy has the same strategy in place, uh, attempting to frighten God's people, to discourage us, to mock us. And if you've read the book of Nehemiah, you'll know the different things that they tried to do. They all came together as one. And they're wanting to bring an evil report against God's people, those who are carrying the truth. Again, the war is against the truth and against the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. And so they want to bring reproach upon the people of God. And so for this reason, again, this is a plot, this is a snare, and there are false prophets and false messengers that have come in uh, secretly, but by the Spirit of God and because of the gift of the discerning of spirits, God's people, as it was in Nehemiah's case here, he knew that God had not sent him. So we can thank the Lord that his spirit lives within us. We can ask him for the gift of discerning of spirits to be operative. We can ask him to help us not be deceived because truly there are many deceivers that have got out into the world. God has given many examples of them in the word of God. For example, there were the Gibeonites. They disguised themselves as brethren, and they sought to make a a covenant with Joshua in Joshua chapter 9, and they come to sway you, to entice you. They look extremely convincing. They speak the words. They talk like brethren, but they are false. And they disguise themselves. And they have come in, and they have wanted to make a covenant with the people of God when God, in fact, said, you don't enter into covenant with the people of the land. You see, these individuals cause you to compromise. And in this case, sadly, Even Joshua, God's general, and the elders did not seek the Lord's counsel, but they received, in Joshua chapter 9, they received these Gibeonites who were in fact in disguise. We must understand that we are in a season where there is infiltration into the church. There are false brethren, and there is the seducing spirit. There is one of these beasts who we know as the serpent, in fact, who is the one uh, who seduces, he beguiled and tricked the woman Eve. We all know this. So one of these beasts that has come in and finds its way into the Lord's congregations, finds its way into families, into the lives of God's people, his goal is to deceive. Again, the serpent being a beast, and he wants doubt God's word. He wants to twist and pervert the scripture, and he wants us uh, to, um, what's the word? He's the bestial spirit of the world. He wants us then to be led by impressions from the bodily senses, and that's what had happened with Joshua in this situation in um, Joshua chapter 9. They were focusing upon the perishable things. In other words, they said, look at our bread. It's moldy. When we left, it was fresh. Look at our clothes. They're all tattered and worn. When we left, we've been on a long journey. We come as brethren. In other words, they came with very convincing things. But what had happened, the serpent, who is a beast, had directed men 
to try to lead others uh, through bodily senses, to focus upon perishable things of a dying world instead of being led by revelation through the spirit of God. Again, the serpent works through the carnal mind and the natural sensory realm in the sense of sight uh, and smell and taste and touch and so on. So this is what had happened with this infiltration and where the enemy had come in disguised. And they, in fact, did sign a covenant with these people of the land. Uh, They missed the mark. They uh, can try to convince you that they are sent by the Lord to assist you. So, beloved, we have to be on guard. Again, we need to have our eyes wide open, not assume anything, and come to the Lord because the enemy has infiltrated on every level. And so with Nehemiah, we find that the enemies had sent a message to him to try to discourage him, to try to intimidate him, to falsely accuse him. Uh, has anybody ever experienced any of these things? I know that I'm, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, beloved, but I'm trying to encourage you to see that God will, and he does alert us, He wants us to understand that these traps and these ambushes have been set up. And if we ask him uh, to give us eyes to see, uh, again, the enemy wanted to make, to cause Nehemiah to sin and and to stop listening to the voice of, of the Lord, to stop building on the wall. But again, even as Haman was plotting against the Jews, God has his Mordecai's sitting at the gate. God has his people who refuse to bow to any other image. Now let's go to the book of Daniel for just a minute. We see that a plot was set up against Daniel and his friends. And we see in Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. Well, let's back up. Daniel 3, verse 5. We know that the image of the beast will be set up. We know that this image was um, foreshadowed in the book of Daniel. I want to read this to you, Daniel 3, starting at verse 5. At the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image. That is Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship that shall immediately be cast in the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Verse 7, therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn and the flute and all of these instruments, all of them of every language fell down and worshiped that golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. But in Daniel 3.12, what we find is that there are certain people, there are certain Jews, there are Christians, there are God-fearing men and women, verse 12, who have disregarded the command of this king, and they will not serve another god or worship, and they will not worship that golden image which has been set up, and Nebuchadnezzar went into a rage. So God has always had a people, and he does at this very day, have a people who refuse to bow to an image that was set up. And we know that Daniel prayed to God in spite of a statue that was made in um, Daniel 6 and 7. 
And we know about that, that whole thing that happened with Daniel in the lion's den. And we know that there was a decree that was established in Daniel 6. Um, anyone who prays to any god besides you, O king, is going to be cast into the lion's den. Uh, and verse 9 tells us King Darius signed that document. Verse 10 says when Daniel knew about that document being signed, he entered his house. He opened his roof chamber. He had windows open toward Jerusalem. And Daniel continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before God as he'd been doing previously. Then these men came by through agreement, and they found Daniel making a petition and supplication before God. So here we have the man of God praying three times a day. He ignored the decree of the king, which in fact was a trap, a snare to catch him so that he might be thrown into the lion's den. And so they had ambushed him. They had plotted against him. And they told the king, Daniel, who's one of these exiles, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you have signed. But he keeps making his petition before his God three times a day. And so here we see an ambush. Here we see a plot to take him out. Not only these, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as well, they refused to, bow to, refused to bow to that image. And now Daniel refuses to stop praying. He will not back down in his faith because the fear of God overtook the fear of men, and he was going to serve God regardless. Now notice, the king gave orders in verse 16. Daniel was brought in and cast alive into the lion's den. But notice what the king says here. He says, your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. And verse 22 says, this is what had happened. We know the story of Daniel and the lion's den. He said, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they've not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king, I've committed no crime. And the king was very pleased, gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was, ta Daniel was taken out of the den. No injury came upon him because he had trusted his God. Now, we know from church history that there were faithful believers, men and women and children, who were thrown and cast before lions, but their lives were not spared. Beloved, we need to understand at that very moment that our assignment is complete. After we have fought that good fight of faith, God in his mercy is going to take our spirit up immediately to be with him. In the case of Daniel, his work and assignment had not been done, had not been completed. And so will it be for you and for me that regardless of these edicts or laws that are written or monuments that are built to men or the image that will be built unto the beast and those things which are decreed by men, by these different beasts whom God has called governing world rulers and wicked entities we see a, a lion described in the word of god we see leopards and wolves described foxes bears dogs serpents and dragons are described and all of these are symbols of individuals or ruling entities you remember that jesus called a uh, pharaoh a fox 
and we know that a fox is a symbol of guile, malice, and hypocrisy. He's a trickster and seductive. And in the Song of Solomon, we find that a, a fox can spoil the vines and those little vines and the tender leaves that come up. We know that uh, Herod uh, was called a fox. We know that he killed the children. We know that a bear is also described in scripture and a bear is a predatory symbol and it represents brutality, a wicked ruler. We know that uh, a dog in scripture, and this would not be a pet, this would be a, a wild dog, the symbol of a scavenger and a mutilator. And so this is a term used uh, about uh, apostates and unregenerate people. We've talked about a bit about the serpent and now also the dragon. Again, we know that dragon is descriptive of Satan, the source of outward persecution. We know that he personifies the accuser of the brethren and he seeks to devour the man-child. And so we know that as these beasts wage war against the saints, we find that these beasts scribes in the book of Revelation are in fact um, symbolic. There was one beast that is said to come up out of the abyss. That's a bottomless pit. And we know that this is a picture of um, Satan coming up out of the abyss. There's another beast called Antichrist who comes up out of the sea. That's Revelation 13. Uh, beast false prophet comes up out of the earth, the land. That's um, false prophet who is in fact a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. Even as the Holy Spirit is preparing the people of God for the Lord's return and is speaking to them of things that are coming upon the earth, so is the false prophet preparing the apostate church uh, for those who will in fact receive Antichrist because they have rejected the true Christ, the son of the living God. We see that an image will be made to the beast. That's Revelation 13, 14. We know that the beast has power and receives worship. We see the image of the beast that was set up. Uh, at the time of Daniel and receives worship. But in fact, we know that there were people that will refuse to bow to that beast. They will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we see that life is given to the image of the beast. We're told this in Revelation 13, 15. In fact, it speaks. So Satan will inhabit, in fact, his creation, that image that people will bow to. Uh, will be an image that they worship. And we know that there is a mark, a name, and a number of the beast. We know that mark will consist of a permit to buy and sell. It will allow men to engage in commerce. We know that there is a scarlet-colored beast. That's Babylon the Great. And again, we've spoken about Babylon many times, that it consists, uh, it has three applications, economic, political, and religious aspects. And this is a scarlet-colored beast the Word of God talks about in Revelation 17. Now, when we talk about these beasts, when we talk about these ambushes and traps that will be set up and, um, and the deception that will be surrounding all of these things, friends, what we can find is there, will, there are practical things that you and I can do. We see these things, and sometimes things catch us by surprise. We hear about things on the news, or we hear them from our brothers and sisters in Christ. We hear them from faithful 
watchmen. And as we understand it, the truth is being perverted. We know that, again, Jesus, when he stood before Pilate, Pilate asked him, uh, what is truth? Well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And so with this ecumenical movement that we see that is arising, we see that progressive Christianity and kingdom now and dominion theology that are in fact already present. We see that that this, these messages <clears throat> have departed from the truth that was once delivered to the saints. You see, Jesus tells us when you know the truth, it will set you free. And so the many errors and snares that are recorded in the word of God, again, we'll only be able to touch on a few of these things tonight, but the snare of error and the ecumenical movement, this all-inclusive wide road that leads to destruction is the uniting and the merging of various faiths and the false prophet is at the head of this whole thing. We see that Jesus Christ is in fact the tree of life and we feed on the very life of Christ. You see, we can do some things. We can practically uh, ask the Lord. Let me just give you some practical information here because there are things that are going to catch us by surprise this year, but I believe that by the grace of God, He will, the Lord will speak to us through his word. And I believe that it is written that it is the word of God that is the will of God. And this is how he primarily speaks to us. He also speaks to us, his people, through dreams and through visions. How can we recognize, in other words, practical things we can do? How can I recognize an ambush or a trap that is being set in my life or uh, in my family, at my business, with my ministry, with my family members, in my neighborhood, or in the places where I go? How can I practically be aware? Let me just comment on this for just a minute here because I can give information, but we have to be practical. Jesus is very practical, beloved. He wants us to seek him daily in prayer. I think we all know that. We need to come before him with a sincere, transparent, and repentant heart. And we need to ask him, okay, to reveal anything in our lives every day that is displeasing to him, including any blind spots that we may have. I have to ask him. I ask him for eyes to see and ears to hear. Uh, ask the Lord to draw you closer to himself and for his perspective. There are going to be things that we hear on the news or even reported by well-meaning people, but friends, it will be a half-truth. So we need to ask the Lord to help us to discern truth from speculation. And while we won't always know at the onset, I believe that as we wait on the Lord, as was the faith, um, the example with Nehemiah, Nehemiah perceived that this false prophet had not been sent by the Lord. He knew it. The Spirit of God showed him. I believe that if we ask him to write his law and his will upon our hearts, which is the new covenant, that he will do it. I believe that if we guard and cherish our relationship with the Lord Jesus and not allow our fellowship with him to be broken, you see, don't allow anything or anyone to come before him, including the ministry or the gifts that God has given you, beloved. Remember, it is Jesus is our pursuit. Our pursuit 
is not found in the lesser realm. Don't allow anything or anyone to come before him. Go to him immediately. Okay, if something isn't right between you and the Lord, stay in that place with communion and and ask him, Father, please give me eyes to see. Please show me where I've missed it. I want to be able to discern accurately. I want to know and hear the truth. And, for example, if you hear something, you might say, wow, this is really Um, ministering to me. I'm bearing witness with this, but you'll hear something else and you'll say, gosh, Lord, something's just not right. Could you please clear that up for me? Please show me in your word. Please give me eyes to see. I believe, beloved, that ultimately God's word reveals his will. Ultimately, it is his word. This is his general will for us, okay? And also his specific will for us as individuals. So if we study the scriptures to show ourselves approved, if we meditate in God's word, if we ask the spirit of God to illuminate the word of God and give us understanding, I believe that that's the oil in our lamp that we need. Again, with the virgins, the parable of the 10 virgins that Jesus told, five had plenty of oil, five did not. I believe that oil is symbolic of the illumination that comes by the Holy Spirit to understand the scriptures and give us the ability to walk and proceed and move through the darkness while it is dark. And boy, I'll tell you what, it is getting dark out there. What other practical thing can we do? Another thing is, is God created his people to be a family, okay? So prayer and fellowship with the brethren is important. Accountability with trusted members of the body of Christ is important and it helps us to grow and to stay accountable. God's word tells us to confess our faults one to another and pray for one another that we would be healed. And again, we all come to Jesus broken. All of us has areas in our lives where he is healing us, where he is perfecting us, where he has to pour out the oil and he sets us uh, in relationships with another. another. Sometimes it's via the internet. Sometimes it's in person. Other times it's through telephone calls. But again, Uh, God creates his people to be a family. And as we are prepared and ready, as we see that day approaching, Jesus does not want us to catch these things by surprise. We know that, again, uh, this word that Brother Dave gave tonight that John um, played for us, the discontent that he feels, the disconnect, in other words, The disconnect is because there is a separation that is taking place. Every one of us knows this. And as we are in a state of readiness, if we understand that we will be separated from people who don't want to know the truth. Beloved, there are times that I would like to share and open up the word of God to family members and to friends. But I cannot connect with them beyond um, like a physical level. I can try to have a conversation. I can try to have ears to hear and discern, but I find so many times they cannot receive it, either because they're young in the Lord or they're carnal or they simply don't believe it or can't believe that these things are true. So we know that following Jesus brings conflict and it brings separation among loved ones. So if we can prepare ourselves for that and ready ourselves for that, we will know that our relationships and our loyalties are going to be tested and that will help us to be ready to know that ultimately Jesus is a friend who will never forsake us. He said, 
uh, he will stick with us closer than a brother. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And being ready means we have to be ready to hear or listen. And we find that as time goes by, the Lord begins to build layer upon layer of truth. There are things that I understood that I understand now that I did not understand a couple of months ago, particularly with, re, um, with regard to artificial intelligence, I'm beginning to see, and I, I, I do believe, that part of the life that is given to the image of the beast that speaks will, in fact, uh, be involved with artificial intelligence, where the, uh, this demonic entity will, in fact, inhabit an image but I can see now that artificial intelligence that will be corrupted because some artificial intelligence certainly can be good for, for use. But again, anything that fallen man can corrupt, he will in fact corrupt. And so as I'm hearing and listening with ministries that I trust, I ask the Lord, could you please explain some things to me? There are things that I bring to him that I've been bringing to him for a couple of years. Could you please make this clear to me, Father, so I understand Matthew 13 tells us, Jesus said, he reveals mysteries of his kingdom to those who have ears to hear. Uh, and he wants us to be quick to hear and slow to speak. He wants us to be watching and praying. And we know that wise virgins are watching right now and they're ready to go into the marriage. And beloved, Jesus is coming for every one of those who are called by his name. He will come individually for some of us in death. He will come corporately. He will descend into the air to catch away his church prior to the wrath of God being poured out on Antichrist and his kingdom. Thank God we are not appointed under wrath. We can help be ready practically by preparing our garment, right? And any spots or blemishes and wrinkles, ask him, Father, is there anything in my life? Is there anything on my garment that is soiled? Have I soiled myself? Are there blemishes and wrinkles and inconsistencies? Is there spots and things in my life that I can't see? Could you please show me? He will help us to be ready. He uh, shows us these things. He doesn't want us to be deceived, beloved. Again, deception is the work of what the serpent does. And there are things that can, in fact, open the door for the enemy to come in and cause us to be deaf or cause us to be blind. And we don't want those things in our lives. Again, it's a, it's a continual um, repentance. It's continually saying, I'm going to be faithful to you, Lord, to obey you. It is a willingness to do good works. When Jesus said, work while it's yet day, the night is coming when no man can work. And if we're devoted to doing what he asked us to do, all right? not what he's necessarily asking someone else to do. We want to stay on course. We want to stay on track and finish the assignment that God has given each of us. And again, we have to be ready by being armed. We know that we're in a spiritual war and it's spilling out into the physical arena. We know that a war on many fronts is expanding and we'll see more and more of this manifesting uh, in the nations where we live. We have to be armed and ready uh, we know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the whole armor of God. But I want to also mention some things because I believe that if we allow compromise in our lives, and again, 
None of us want to compromise. When the road gets tough and the way is uh, rough and we feel loneliness, we feel misunderstood, we feel that we are, um, can barely have a conversation with people about what is really happening, we find that many times the Lord will just shut our mouths. We'll find that uh, if we um, are not given to prayer, if we're not um, consistent in our prayer life, if, if we're compromising morally, we know that um, these things can actually um, bring a deafness into our hearing if we're disobeying the voice of the Lord. We find that we need to ask for ears to hear. And so, again, we want to repent of any unforgiveness, of any rebellion that we're aware of, and any disobedience. We want to repent for any fear of man because, friends, we don't want to lose friends. We we want people to understand us and to be able to relate to us and to like us. I mean, that is natural human behavior. Now, there is a way to share truth, okay? We, we share it kindly. We share it lovingly, and um, we don't hit people over the head with truth. Again, we present it a little at a time, and we ask the Spirit of the Lord, what can I say? And help me not to speak, Lord, if I'm not to share anything here. What we find is, again, the war is on truth, against truth. And we find that as we speak the truth, that it, in fact, purifies us. First Peter 1 tells us that. It helps to establish us. That truth of the gospel sanctifies us. Uh, it sets us free. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and it will make you free. And regardless of any ambush that is set up against us, uh, we have to walk by faith. Beloved, we know that um, Jesus said in Matthew 21, he said, if you have faith and don't doubt, you will not only do what's done to the fig tree, but you can say to the mountain, be removed, it'll be done. Romans 1.17 tells us the just will live by faith. Now, we don't have answers for a whole lot of things that we're facing right now. If you're like me, I, I'm asking the Lord, show me the truth today and help me to walk in that today because tomorrow will present problems and, <clears throat> and things that I will have to face tomorrow. But sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. So today if I walk by faith and I'm asking the Lord to speak to me, then he will. Now, I want to just comment briefly on a couple of dreams that I've just had in the past week. Again, knowing that I would be sharing with you about warfare, knowing that I would be talking to you about ambushes and traps that have been set. What I found in, two, in, in just in this past week, I had a dream about things that were happening above in the heavenly places. And I was in a church situation with people that I know. And I was listening to things that were happening above. So this would have been in the heavenly realm. This would have been right over the earthly realm. We know that Satan is the principality of the air. And I was hearing things being contrived and being spoken about. But what I found is the people in the congregation were completely unaware of it. They were just having such a good time and they were singing their songs, but they weren't aware of it. And these things were being planned above them. In other words, immediately in the in the realm above the earth this is not the third heaven we're talking about the realm that was above the earth and then in another dream that i had <clears throat> there were things being planned beneath this was just um, a night or two ago 
and and I heard things being planned beneath the earth. And it's difficult to explain it except to tell you that I knew that these were ambushes. I knew these were traps and these were the plans of, and I knew that things are being planned in the lion's dens as in the Song of Solomon where the king calls his beloved. He said, come up above these um, these dens of the lions and the leopards. Come up, beloved. In other words, he wants us to come up. He wants us to be able to hear what's being planned in the lower realms. And it's not that we are to focus on the lower realm. We're not. We're to focus on the realm of the heavens and on the city of our God and our great king. But again, as I've been praying and seeking the Lord and asking him, I heard things being discussed and a tumult, if I could use that word, a tumult, and that which was being planned beneath. So that talks to me about these beasts that are in the land, these fallen entities, individuals, kingdoms, groups uh, that you and I have heard about, that John has spoken about, and other faithful ones are reporting to us. These things are being planned even now and arrayed against the people of God. But I want to just conclude on this. Regardless of any ambush that we may hear about, regardless of reports that we hear, even from trusted brethren, even from faithful messengers, beloved, we must understand and know that as we speak and declare, not only will we be free, but we will set others free. As we walk in the truth, and we're going to worship in spirit and truth, we're going to come to a knowledge of the truth as we spend time with Jesus, as we're in his word, and as we ask him to place us with faithful believers who are walking in the truth. He will alert us, beloved, to these things, and he will help us to handle the truth properly. Uh, Paul told Timothy in Second Timothy that we are to rightly divide the word of truth and handle the, the word of truth properly. We're to be established in the truth. And then I want to conclude with this. We need to understand and know, as Paul reported from the jail that he was occupying, the jail cell in, in Philippi, that God can and does use any situation that you and I uh, face that comes our way as an opportunity for us to testify to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beloved, open your mouth wide and he will fill it. Love people, speak the truth. To him be the glory and the honor and the praise. It's in his name we pray tonight. Jesus, amen and amen. Praise God. That's awesome. I knew this was going to be a wonderful program, and I just thank you so much, Terry, for joining us. We always look forward to our nights with you, and, you know, we get a lot of people that, you know, the, the, the lines fill up, people are listening and encouraged, and um, and in days, you know, in the days that we're in right now, we need as much of much encouragement as we can. I, I've noticed, I know, I'm sure you have a lot of people getting down in the dumps and stuff, and, uh, you know, there, those of us, it's all a roller coaster ride. We all go through, you know, pros and cons and ups and downs and everything, but, you know, we got to, you know, we need that encouragement. We need to to, to know and stay focused. I love that analogy that you used, you know, when you're looking at the problems from below, 
they seem like they're just kind of crushing in on you. But when you look at them from a godly perspective, when you're standing up high, uh, you know, as a citizen of heaven and you're looking down on the problems of the world, they don't seem so they don't seem like that's so, such a big deal anymore because your your whole perspective changes and you you're kind of in that place mentally, you know, renewing your mind and remembering who you are in Christ and how that this is really we're just sojourners. We're just passing through. And, yeah, sometimes it seems to drag along a little bit and it can be kind of annoying. But at the end of the day, we're not going to be here all that much longer. And that's the really great, awesome Super hopeful takeaway, and I just, again, I love that analogy. Looking at it from above changes the entire perspective and makes, uh, I actually think it makes things exciting. Uh, when I look at, you know, when I'm looking at them, I admit, I admit, I do it sometimes, more often than I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't, but there are times when I look at them from below and I feel like I'm getting crushed. I feel like they're all heading at me and, you know, woe is me and that kind of stuff. And I just got to remember to close my eyes, focus on Jesus, remember who I am in Christ and raise myself up above so I can look down on these things and realize they really are. That while they're going to be really hard for the people that don't know Jesus, for us, it's kind of like, a, you know, not to be too concerned about the fiery trial that's to try us, you know, that, but to rejoice, you know, and to understand we're, we're not from here and we're not staying here. Praise God. And it's an exciting, it changes your whole perspective. I really love that analogy. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You're so welcome, John, and God bless you. Say hi to Bud for me. God bless you. And again, a word in due season, just like it sounds, D-U-E, season 777 at gmail.com. Terry does pray for people. She does reach out and help folks. Uh, Seek her out because uh, you're not going to meet anybody. I I strongly doubt you're going to meet anybody that will bless you as much as her and her husband. So anyway, God bless you. Thank you, Terry. God bless you all for joining us tonight. It's Sunday night, and for those of you who are working in the workforce, hallelujah, we still got jobs. Praise Jesus. Anyway, hang in there, folks. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Lord willing. Thank you, Terry. Amen.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.